Was, I kind of want to. I kind of want to want people to know what I experienced. <laughs> All right, go ahead. Uh, so, as as per usual, um, we're we're trying to start up the show when we encounter some sort of technical difficulty of some kind. <laughs> and uh, this time, uh, Cody says, "All right, here we go." And I just hear silence for a few seconds. I figure, and he's he's hitting the button to turn on the the, the theme song, and uh, then I start hearing a little bit of, mm. <laughs> but quietly, like he like he's doing it to himself. <laughs> and that's when I realize the sounder's not playing. <laughs> oh my god! It was I was jamming out. I was ready to start the show. I'm fired up. And all of a sudden, Seth goes, uh, I don't hear anything. And I, I, I'm in the middle of doing some fucking fist pumps, getting ready for the show to start, getting excited. Um, so I'm glad that before we even hit record today, I have already embarrassed sound- myself. So we're ahead of schedule. It sounded like uh, like one of those bad lip readings where it doesn't play the music. It just reacts to how the people are mouthing the words or <laughs> playing a guitar or something like that. Oh, my God. I love it. I love it. Uh, great stuff to start the show. I'll tell you why I was excited, because we have a jam-packed show this week. Um, it is episode 77. Full of jam. Full of jam. Uh, strawberry jam is the best. Uh, 77 is the number of the episodes. Not on your toast. <laughs> oh, my God, this again. <sighs> my, uh, my, my partner in this show and opponent of jam on toast is the so host, Seth Ott. Did you say proponent? Uh, you don't like jam on toast. Whatever it is, the, word, yeah. the right word is. Um, Seth is a dickhead. This is the co-host <laughs> Cody Michael, and I like jam on my toast, like most of America. You know, let's fucking settle this because we've been going at this for the better part of two years. I think. <laughs> Let us know in the tweets or in the comments if you should put jelly or jam on your toast, or if those are not acceptable toppings for toast. Uh, for whatever not. reason, Seth thinks it's not okay. Butter is the only acceptable, or peanut butter. I think you're okay. Peanut with. butter are the Cinnamon only acceptable sometimes. things. All right, well. I, I guess I didn't grow up as rich as you, so we didn't have cinnamon in the house. <laughs> it was just jam, which was readily available at all times. Um, immediate, literally the one second into the show, we're off the tracks. Um, <laughs> we spend all that time on a show schedule and we fuck it up right, right at the beginning. So, yep. Uh, welcome into the show. A lot of fun stuff this week. Uh, NFL playoffs are still going on. Really excited to talk about that. We have some groundbreaking movie news that I'm excited to get to, too, and uh, a lot of fun segments in between. Uh, but before we jump into the chic tweets, I know that you, uh, Seth, you had something you wanted to start the show with. <laughs> so, yeah, this is actually something I forgot to uh, mention a couple weeks ago, but it's actually fitting now uh, with some recent news. So, don't don't worry, listeners. Uh, we know we know it's it's been a while since Cody and I have been uh, been apart. But we are reuniting in a few in a few months. Uh, we're taking a trip to Las Vegas uh, with co- with a couple of buddies, and uh, that's awesome, buddy. <laughs> so um, I we we didn't talk. We talked about a few different hotels we're staying at. It turns out we're staying at the, the infamous Luxor Hotel, which is the the uh, triangle one, the pyramid one with uh, Chris Angel. He's famous for it. Why, why this relates to a couple weeks ago, uh, 
a couple weekends ago, I was at a Friendsmas party with uh, my roommate Matt and a group of friends, and we did a white elephant gift gift exchange. Was I? I was basically united with destiny here because uh, back in the day, I was a big fan of the show Mind Freak oh, God. with Chris Angel, and uh, during all those shows on A and E, they would have run commercials of the as seen on TV Chris Angel magic kit. And get out. So I, <laughs> so I. I get uh, I, I get my I choose my gift, I I pull it off pull off the wrapping, and lo and behold I see Chris Angel's face holding the deck of cards. Yeah. And, uh, <laughs> and I I was awarded with the Chris Angel Mind Freak set. And when I open it, I'm like, is this just the box? Is there actually a different gift in here? And he's like, no, it's only been used like once. <laughs> so I have an entire Chris Angel Magic set uh, with with a whole bunch of cards and uh, balls and different items there's a fake thumb in it it's pretty it's pretty neat so um when we show up to the luxor i'm gonna be a magic savant uh we're gonna see chris angel i'm gonna show him how great i am at magic so that is that is really i'm excited for you because i know how much (laughs) that that means to you to have and i feel bad for anyone that comes over to your place and has to watch you do magic (laughs) so you've already done um, it have you no, I haven't done that. But what I t- <laughs> what I did so there's a there's a like a really simple trick thing in there, which is a, a card disappearing thing. Mm-hmm. So you just put one one card in there, you shut it and open it back up, and the card's gone. And I honestly was like, "How the fuck did that work?" <laughs> like, <laughs> I freaked out because I'm like, "I don't understand." And then uh, Matt, my roommate, he like just t- tipped it over and showed me that there was. Uh, uh, just a piece of plastic that moves when you flip over the thing. So, <laughs> oh my god! Yeah. Some people grow out of magic. Not Seth. Not Seth. Everybody. Nope. He's still fascinated. So fascinated that he can accidentally do it and not understand. You're a wizard, Seth. I'm a wizard. You made it disappear, and you didn't even know. Yep, that's what she said. <laughs> that is indeed what she said well congratulations on your magic set um we have a show to do so let's jump into it like we always do with some chic tweets i call you a punk iron chic serenaded us with a beautiful set of words uh from an infamous song that he has a, a remix to and uh that would be stop in the name of love before you go fuck yourself. <laughs> so how about that? Stop in the name of love before you go fuck yourself, right? I hope not. That's a number one song. Of course, I don't have the voice of the Iron Sheik, but uh, Sheiky Baby, <clears throat> or you know who would do a really good rendition of that one is Rob Thomas. <laughs> it's true. <laughs> I call you a punk. Let's shout out our sponsors. Of course, audibletrial.com slash SoCo. <laughs> Find the link in the description box, and you're going to get your first 30 days of Audible and your first book for free. Free! So I started Harry August. Did you really? Yeah, it's actually really good. Um, it's got some interesting elements in it. Basically, this guy uh, continues. He'll live out his entire life and then die and then be reborn again back into his same life. And mm. he still has the memories of his prior life. So it's, it's really interesting and it takes a lot of cool turns and stuff. So I'm probably halfway through it and um, it's pretty interesting. So I would recommend the first 15 lives of Harry August. If, uh, if you want to use your, if you want to use your audible trial.com slash Soko free credit 
on there. Um, Harry August would be a good one. Have yourself a, a Harry January if you if you get it this month. Oh, that's nasty. I uh, I anytime I start Harry August, I just skip to the last five minutes, throw the sock on the floor, and go to bed. So Jesus, oh. <laughs> I don't like that one at all. I don't feel good about that drum, <laughs> about that drum break. Let's mention our other sponsors uh, as well. We usually wait till later, but I want to make sure we get them in. Say, I don't know if they want to be sponsored after that one. <laughs> uh, I know Mike's does. Uh, <laughs> don't forget true. about Mike's Wood. You can hit the link in the description box. It's etsy.com slash shop slash cornfed and wet if you need your woodworked. <laughs> Mike's Wood also available in stores in Owine, Iowa. So you can check out a lot of what, he's, what he's making. Um, I was just on the shop today. There's a lot of good stuff. I think I might order uh, something in the next couple of days for my apartment. So lots of great stuff over on there. They're building out the store. Uh, it's looking great. So uh, good stuff on Corn Fed and Wed. And finally, don't forget Mathis Designs, also on Etsy.com slash shop slash Mathis Designs for all of your stationery and graphic design and calendar and planner needs. Uh, again, it's Mathis Designs on Etsy. Cha-ching! Cha-ching. Those are the sponsors. Let's jump into the show. I'm very excited to start with sports. Sports! And boom goes the dynamite. Well, my dream of an all-LA Super Bowl is dead, but I still have my Rams. (laughs) Yeah, you told me. Uh, Fuck you, you told me. You picked the Chargers. (laughs) I told you that the Chargers wouldn't be in the Super Bowl, though. So Uh I was right one way or another. There's Seth talking out of both sides of his mouth. So the Chargers lose... And they just got drubbed by the Patriots in that game. Uh, at one point, I believe it was twenty-eight to thirty-five to seven. I think at one point mm-hmm. in that game, um, and then they kind of took their foot off the gas in the second half. But this was, to me, this is an incredibly impressive performance by a great Patriots team that everyone is underestimating. Do you agree, or do you think the Chargers just failed to show up here? Um, I think a little bit of both. I, I still wouldn't say the Patriots are a great team. Um, they're still, I wouldn't say this Patriots team is a great team. Mm-hmm. I, I still think there, there are some deficiencies on this team compared to some of the past teams, but, um, uh, they're still the Patriots. They're still, uh, they still can win. They, I mean, they have the experience, they have the coaching, they have a quarterback that, uh, I still think is not, I mean, he had a great game, but I, st- I still think he's, I still think from, as an entire season, um, as a whole compared to in the past. I still think he's lost a little bit of a step. But he's still Tom Brady. He knows how to win. Uh, still have Bell Belichick. He know, still, is no, still knows how to win. They're, they have the best game planning out of any team in the NFL, in NFL history, honestly. Mm-hmm. They might not, have, might, might not have the best talent on that team uh, as a whole. They're, I mean, if you look at their rosters compared to even the Chargers, their roster is, I mean, significantly less talented. But they oh, have yeah. the best coach. They have they have the best coaching in NFL history to the point where that coaching is going to overcome that that talent. Now, I I think the the Chiefs have e- even more talent than the Chargers do as as a whole at least on offense. So that's going to be interesting. Yeah. Seeing the 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 mental jousting this week. But um I st- I think I to go back to your last point, I think it's a little bit of both. I think it's the 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 Patriots coming to play when they need to from this experience that they've done with with that coaching. And a little bit of the Chargers just not being able to live up to the moment with that weather. They haven't played in that weather all year. Mm-hmm. I mean, it was bad. You know, it's it's the Philip Rivers thing. You know, it, I mean, he played good, but the rest of the team didn't show up. That I mean, he didn't. He, he's a leader, but I just don't think he was able to have people rally around him. 
Philip Rivers is is just not a winner when it comes to playoffs. I think th- this year, if anything else, proves it. He's won two playoff games in his career, something like that. Um, it's, I mean, it's he, he's not a winner when it comes to the playoffs. I'm just, I'm sorry to say it, but it's true. Yeah, it's uh, the Chargers did not look like a good team, and they just got. Dry. I mean, I watched I watched the first half of this game, so all, everything that decided it. And this was a Patriots team that looked like it was in full form. Like, this is a team that scares me. And we'll get to our picks in a second. But I think they have a real chance against the Chiefs. Um, They came out in a defense that they haven't played all season. They played a zero with, like, one down lineman and, like, eight guys in the box that were standing up that I've never seen them play before because they were game plan for the Chargers. They ran the ball super effectively, something we've seen uh, be very – be a very good ability to have during these playoffs. This is a team that is that is motivated, that is healthy, that has the right coaching and is good enough talent wise to to continue to win games. And I think that after that performance against a really good Chargers team, um, I think the league is going to start taking notice of that. So it's going to be really interesting to see what happened next week against the Chiefs, who similarly put a beat down on the Colts, and they just looked outclassed here. Um, you, I, I picked the Colts, uh, you, you had the chiefs in this game. I, I think myself and a lot of other people who picked them, um, I think the Colts are ahead of schedule. I had them even further ahead of schedule than they, than they actually are. Um, they have a talented team, but they are young and just across the board are not as good as the chiefs and Andrew Luck can try to close that gap, but I think they were just really outclassed here and they didn't seem mm-hmm. like they belonged in the same stadium. The Chiefs' defense came to play in a major way in this game. Their front four were all over the place. They had pressure on luck. They were stopping the run. This looked like a really great Chiefs team. And what I'm seeing here, these two games, I watched both these, I watched all the games this weekend. This is a Patriots team that is at, that is at full power, and this is a Chiefs team that looks different than it did 10 weeks ago, but I think better. Um, they're mm-hmm. a little more balanced on offense. They're running it well with Williams. Their defense is a lot better than it than it was when they gave up 55 points to the Rams a couple months yeah. ago. So I think both of these teams, I think we're going to get a great AFC championship between these guys because they're both at full strength. They're great coaching, and there's great talent on both of these teams. Who is your pick? The game is at the Chiefs, and it's looking like it's going to be about two degrees. <laughs> um, also keep in mind, too, uh, that defense did that without Eric Berry, and there's still a chance he could come back and play. Mm-hmm. So, um, if he if he's out there playing, that's that still adds even more to that fire. Uh, that this is a this one's I think they're both hard to pick, but I think this one is probably the tougher of the two to pick because on paper the Chiefs should kill him. You know, mm-hmm. uh, it's in it's at Arrowhead. It's you know they they're they're bit they're on fire right now. They. They can score at will. I mean, watching that game against the the Colts, they were just getting first downs like it was nothing. Mahomes would run up into the pocket, throw to the open guy. The guy was, you know, whoever that was there was wide open, you know, every time. The thing that the Patriots are the best at is taking away your your top weapon. And the the, the Chiefs have a lot of weapons. <laughs> you know, it's it's going to be hard to take away because, uh, I mean, I think the big one they need to take away is Kelsey. He He's the guy who was wide open constantly this week, this, this past game. If, I think that's what they'll focus on is taking away Kelsey, but then you still have Hill. You still have Watkins, who's back and looked really good this week. Um, and you have uh, Williams, uh, both Williams in the backfield. So uh, at the same time, it's hard not to take the Patriots because it's the Patriots. And they every year they do this. I'm going to go out on a limb, though. I think I'm going to go with the Chiefs. Mm. I, I, I similarly struggle with you. I agree with everything you've said. 
I'm going to land just on the opposite side of the fence here. And I'm going to say that what Belichick and the game planning will be able to do for the Patriots is give them a chance in this one. Um, I think they'll slow down the offense just enough. I think that they'll be able to run the ball against this Chiefs defense just enough. I think it stays close, you know, 24-27, somewhere in that range, and I think Brady makes a play late. I think that it's going to come down to the end, and in a game that does that, give me Brady over Mahomes. Now, I think we're maybe one game away from declaring Mahomes the best quarterback in the league. (laughs) and if he can do it in a crunch time two-minute situation against these Patriots I'll be ready to get on board Um, but for now Brady is still king Uh, give me a close a close game in the cold boring a lot of running and uh, the Chiefs get slowed down just enough and Brady makes the last play so I'm, I'm gonna go with the Patriots what I saw the other day was so impressive and so much of a surprise. Um, you have to respect the game planning, and I think I think that's going to give them a shot here. But it should be a great game. I can't wait to watch it. Uh, and I think similar to how everyone kind of counted out the Patriots, I think a lot of people have jumped off of the Rams in recent weeks, and I think they've deserved some of that. But what you saw on Saturday night was a team come out that we expected to throw it around and score 40 points. They hit the ground attack hard in this game. C.J. Anderson <laughs> and Todd Gurley both go over 100 yards, and they just ran it down the throat of a really good Cowboys defense that prided itself on stopping the run here. And I think what that tells me is that this is a team that can make adjustments. We talked about the uh, the benefit of having a bye week during the playoffs. All four bye week teams won this weekend, so we have one and two <laughs> seeds on both sides. Um, and I think when you have a great coach, this is what can happen. Uh, now, will we see the same type of offense next week? I don't know. But I think what you saw here was a perfectly executed game plan. And, you know, there are places where the Cowboys out-talent the Rams, um, but the offensive-defensive line was not one of them. This Rams offensive line dominated the Cowboys, and it wasn't even close. The score ended up only being difference of eight points. But the Rams dominated in this game. And mm-hmm. um, there's a lot to say about the Cowboys, and we'll probably come back to them in the offseason. But um, tell me your thoughts on the Rams, because to me, they came out. I was and I was never off of them, but I was very impressed with what I saw, and it was very heartening going into the championship game. It was definitely an impressive win. It it was different than what we've seen out of the Rams this season, because uh, the Rams this season have been, you know, they can they can really beat you anyway. And 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 in this game, it and and even in the last four or five weeks. I, their passing attack hasn't been as potent as it was. Um, now, if they can run the ball on teams like this and play play the defense they played, that you know they're they're definitely going to be a tough team to beat, um, whether it be in the championship game or the Super Bowl. But um, it'll be interesting to see because I think this this upcoming week against the Saints, they're going to have to throw it. Mm-hmm. I think it's just going to come down. They're going to have to, and that's where it worries me a little bit with like with Goff because. Um, it showed it again this week when he was under pressure. Uh, he, he was, he, anytime Goff is under pressure, he's, he's off, you know, he's, he's not a good quarterback under pressure when he has all day in the pocket. He's great. He's, there's not a throw he can't make when he's, when he has all day in the pocket, but when he's under pressure, uh, he misses a lot of throws. And so that'll be the, I think that'll be the interesting, I think the Cowboys, honestly, I don't think we're that great of a team. I just don't. Um, they're, they they had a great running game. They have a good defense, but <clears throat> their coaching is terrible. Jason Garrett is a mediocre coach, and the only he he got lucky the last. I mean, not really lucky, but he got he 
he had the same game plan, just like the Ravens. He had the same game plan going into a game every single week, and it just took a while for teams to figure it out. The mm-hmm. Rams figured it out, yep. you know. So I, I don't, I don't think the, the Cowboys are that great. I don't think they're that talented. But uh, the Rams handled them like they should have, and it was impressive. But I think this week will be a very interesting game, and I think we're gonna have to. I think the Rams are gonna have to, and Goff is gonna have to step up especially in order to for to to really prove to me that they're ready for the Super Bowl. Yeah, it's going to take a good performance next week going into New Orleans uh, where the Saints beat the Eagles last week, and it looked like they might not. Eagles came out and jumped out to a 14 nothing lead, um, but then the Saints scored the remaining 20 points of the game. Um, I think what I saw here was I picked the Eagles in this one, and this is the type of game that the Eagles had a chance to win. In fact, they were going down for the winning score when uh, Alshon Jeffrey handed the ball back to the Saints <laughs> to seal the win. Uh, so he's going to have a long offseason. But um, this was the type of game where the Saints were vulnerable. And, you know, they, they, they showed over the course of that game that they were, in fact, the better team. Um, but, you know, they came out slow, and they struggled uh, offensively in this one for most of the game. I think what I saw – now, where, the, where what the Rams showed me this week was improvements along a lot of places. I think the, the Saints showed me vulnerability. And, you know, say what you will um, over the course of this next week, and obviously I'm biased. Um, And, yes, the game is in New Orleans, but I think the Rams have a real shot to beat this team based on what I've seen defensively and on the run. Um, And, yes, I do think they're going to have to go back to golf more, but their passing attack has been efficient, even though it's not been a lot of gaudy numbers. So, uh, of course, I'm not going to pick against the Rams. Give me the Rams to, to move on to the Super Bowl here. Um, but you're right. I think this for most folks who aren't Rams fans is a toss up. I think this is, I think this is two teams that match up against each other perfectly. Um, both championship games are the top four offenses in football this season, which is the first time that's ever (laughs) happened and is amazing. So I'm, I, this game could go any number of ways. It could be 13, 10, or it could be 45, 42. Um, but either way, give me the Rams, man. I'm feeling good about them right now. Yeah. I mean, this is a toss, toss up. Hopefully, uh, Talib can stay healthy because there was a noticeable difference when he was not in the game this last week too. Yeah, and they're um, gonna need they're gonna need a committee on Thomas. Mm-hmm. Oh yeah, he went nuts <laughs> this last week. Didn't he have like eleven catches for one hundred forty seven yards and like two touchdowns, something like that? He had. He, he would have had like forty fucking fantasy points. That guy is and Breeze is so. Don't good. get me wrong, Breeze is a great quarterback, but he just hurls it in his direction and he comes down with it <laughs> like. It's he is one of the top probably three to five wide receivers in football, I think, and especially since oh, yeah. he's got Breeze throwing to him. That is a guy that the Rams are going to be keying on all week. Don't fucking don't forget that. Like that'll be the thing yeah. they talk about in the pregame shows. Between that and stopping the run, which they did very well against the Cowboys and Zeke, it, they have a the defense will have a lot to handle, um, and will, it'll be interesting to see what they do, uh, especially with Thomas. But uh, mm-hmm. come on, you, you getting on with me? You picking L.A. See, I that's the thing. I don't think I can. I think I got to go with the, the the safer pick here, uh, in the Saints because it's again home crowd. Um, yeah, they came out slow, and I didn't get to watch all this game. I watched about half of it, but uh, they came out slow. Um, they had time off, and I, I know they've been they've been resting starters and things like that. I think uh, just kind of getting those those jitters out. But it's uh, they have so much talent. Just just like just like the, the the Chiefs do, they have so much talent. I mean, if you you can take away Michael Thomas, which I don't know if you can, that's going to be really hard to do. You take away Michael Thomas, but then they still have Ted Ginn, who's been super solid um, ever since he's been on the Saints. He's been 
pretty damn good, actually. Um, you got Traquan Smith, who's an impressive rookie. You got Kamara and Ingram. Uh, you got Benjamin Watson, who's been good. So they have so many weapons on that team, too. It's it's hard. Um, with, it, with it being at home, with that crowd, NFC Championship game, I think I got to go with the Saints on this one. Oh, man. See, this is the, the reason I love this matchup so much is because everything you just said about the Saints also applies to the Rams because they have Anderson and Gurley and Cooks and Woods and Higby. <laughs> and, like, it's – and they're – they don't have a Michael Thomas, but they have all really great position players. And the offensive line is great. And I think these teams just match up more – maybe better than any other – match. like, if you picked any other two teams in football, I, I don't think there's a better matchup than these two teams. And so it's going to be mm-hmm. exciting to see. I'm, my, uh, my parents are coming to visit this weekend, so my dad, who's also a lifelong Rams fan – is going to be in the house to watch uh, watch the Rams with me. And the last time that my dad and I watched the Rams in the NFC Championship game together, they won the game and they went on to lose to the Patriots in the Super Bowl. So I think we might be, <laughs> we might be fixing to see history repeat itself if my picks hold true. <laughs> That would be kind of funny. <laughs> you're going with you're going with both road teams, huh? Give me the Rams and give me the Patriots. And while we're at it, the Rams will beat the Patriots this time. <laughs> I do agree. If if that is the Super Bowl, I agree with that. I do agree with that. But if it if it's Rams and Chiefs, I think that one I would have to go with the Rams. I'd have to go with the Chiefs because um little little bit little bit of revenge narrative and and uh, a little bit different teams this time around than than the first meeting. So mm-hmm. it seemed like both teams kind of took a step down after that game, um, and then both have kind of started coming up. But I think the Chiefs have just been a little bit more explosive since they started coming back up again. So. Yeah, if that ends up being the Super Bowl, it's going to set every ratings record ever. Oh, God, yeah. I, I really, I hope that that, you know, I, I would love to see the Patriots win. I love Brady. Um, but honestly, I'd, I'd rather face the Chiefs in the Super Bowl than Brady. Um, and uh, that game would be something to behold, for sure. So Do we do we know who's doing the halftime show this year? <laughs> yeah, it's Maroon 5 and a couple is it? Of, yeah, a couple other crap. I felt like that was last year or something. I'm losing track of all these. You know, you would think they'd have done one already. Um because yeah. they're Maroon 5, but as long as it's not fucking Imagine yeah. Dragons, dude, that halftime performance at the NCAA Championship game last week was one of the worst concerts of I any type I've ever heard. Oh my god, it was dreadful. I'd rather listen to that Fergie National Anthem 100 times <laughs> than listen to Imagine Dragons, like those guys. And that's a whole other rant, but obviously I'm very excited about football, and uh, we'll see you next week. I'll get to watch both games this week, so I'll, I'll see all the football I can. Nice. So. Both games are coming at you Sunday. Uh, let us know who your picks are. I know uh, Dan, who I'm sure is listening, uh, will be rooting hard for the KC Chiefs, and uh, I hope they lose, Dan, so suck it. It's going to be <laughs> exciting, and we'll be here next week uh, to preview the Super Bowl, which is going to be, either way, it's going to be an amazing matchup. Well, no, well, the Super Bowl won't happen. That We'll probably preview the Super Bowl the next week. Well, yeah, maybe we'll, we'll recap the conference championships next week and then preview the following week. We can preview yeah. the Pro Bowl next week. Yeah. Yeah. Pro Go Bowl. NFC. Woo! Love the Pro Bowl. It matters. <laughs> <laughs> oh, my God. Good stuff. Uh, I am on the Rams and Patriots. Seth takes the Saints and Chiefs. And the Vikings. And the Vikings probably won't win. <laughs> don't Don't put money on that one. Ah, um, oh, damn. We shall see. But exciting stuff going on in the NFL. Uh, obviously, a lot of coaching moves and stuff like that we'll talk about when we get to the offseason. Um, but for now, there's still three games left to be Gary played. Gary Kubiak! Woo! <laughs> three games left to be played in the NFL season. So uh, we'll be here to talk about them. So let's jump forward 
And next, we're going to get back. We haven't done these in a little bit, but we're going to get back to one-word summaries. There's only one word to describe you, and I'm going to spell it out for you. One-word summaries is the segment where Seth has scoured the internet for three wacky news stories. He's going to summarize each with just one word, and based on those words, I will choose which story we're going to talk about. Uh, but don't worry if we don't choose the one you wanted. All three links to all three stories are in the description box where you can find uh, links to our sponsors, uh, links to various other stories and videos that we'll discuss during the show today. So make sure you check out the description box for the one-word summary stories and everything else for the show today. So, Seth, what do we got this week? Your words are neighbor, cardboard, and smearing. <laughs> I think I know where this is going, and I'm going to pick smearing. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) I got to hear the smile in your voice. (laughs) Uh, Neighbor was, Florida man threatens to kill neighbor with kindness, the name of his machete. (laughs) I I actually, I think I saw this this headline on Facebook, and that's one, hilarious, and also two, uh, something that Florida man would definitely do. It's true. Uh, Spoiler alert, Florida will show up again. Um... (laughs) Cardboard is sheriff uses cardboard deputies to fight crime. <laughs> so he just he just puts cardboard cutouts of deputies and sits them along roadside so they won't speed. <laughs> That's actually a genius. It's pretty smart. They should do more of that. Less cops, more cardboard. That's what I say. Hashtag it. Tweet about That's it. Tr- That's true. They won't abuse you unnecessarily or shoot you. Just, so. just wait till one of them. Get, one, someone's gonna get a hold of one of those and do a video of it beating someone's lap, someone's black ass probably, <laughs> and it's gonna be hilarious. Yeah. And then smearing, the one you chose, is a Florida teacher accused of smearing feces in park before child's birthday party. A teacher did that? Yeah. Oh, my God. Tell me that guy's fired. A woman. Um, Oh! (laughs) Women don't poop, Seth. Oh, that's nasty. (laughs) Um, Hold on. If you're you're a woman and you poop, uh, tweet a picture of it to at Seth (laughs) O'Ott. And show us your poops, ladies. Show us your poops, ladies. I'm Hashtag sure. poop pics. Also, I'm not sure if that's okay to say anyway. Like, that was always a fun joke. <laughs> like, that was always a fun joke when we were growing up. Like, the whole girls don't poop thing. I'm not, I'm actually genuinely not sure if that's okay to say anymore. So, hashtag, I'll, I'll have the editor leave this too. in. Someone let us know in the comments if that's okay to say. So, the substitute was reportedly angry at a school principal who had rented the park pavilion. Uh, the substitute teacher in Florida was so angry at the principal that she smeared human feces around a Sarasota Park pavilion that the principal had rented for a child's birthday party, law, office, law officers said. Heather Carpenter, 42, faces a single count of criminal mischief over $1,000, according to the Sarasota County's Sheriff's Office. She was released after posting a $2,500 cash bond. Uh, authorities said they became aware of the incident on December 1st when a witness reported seeing a woman wearing blue gloves and a mask placing human waste and fecal matter on the porous wooden tables and grills. Wow, that's very descriptive. Good job. That is that is great uh, vigilante justice. But so she got so I was thinking she like had a freak out. Like, you remember that guy that would go out and shit on the track that we talked about a few months ago? Yeah. Uh, like, that's a crazy person. This is a sane person doing something crazy. Big difference. She's got gloves and a mask yeah. on. I wonder where she got the poop. Do you think it was her own? I would bet so. She definitely looks like a woman who poops from her picture. Oh that you can't say. I know that. <laughs> I don't know. I, it's a woman. They all poop, in my opinion. So. Oh, my goodness. Um, 
So Mike Hutchinson, uh, who said he was at the park at the time, uh, told Fox that he was shocked and appalled when he walked into the pavilion and saw what what had happened. The smell hit me, and I noticed that she did it to every table. <laughs> That's a lot of shit, dude. It was a mixture of urine and feces, and she had it in a big cup and was pouring it out and wiping it in. Jeez, that is, oh my god. <laughs> oh. That's amazing. That's what she was listening to when she did it. So yeah, she is, uh, it's costing, so she paid the $2,500 cash bond. She owes a fine of over $1,000. But it costs, it's going to cost the county more than $2,300 to replace the tables and grills. There's no way. This is Florida, for God's sakes. They're not replacing that stuff. They're going to wipe it down or spray it with a power cleaner, and that's it. So it already smells like feces in Florida everywhere you everywhere you go. So, come on. Yeah. If anyone can get away with that, it's Florida. God, fucking yeah. Florida, man. So, uh, kindness machetes and uh, feces mixtures all over the place is what you get in florida jesus uh if you're having a birthday party take a tablecloth to your florida park (laughs) this week in one word summaries there's only one word to describe you and i'm gonna spell it out for you glad to have one word summaries after a little hiatus uh let's skip forward we've got a very brief little segment of tv news that's what she said tv First of all, the biggest news in the TV world this week. Uh, we got an official drop date for the next and final season of Game of Thrones. Uh, first episode will be airing on April 14th. That is all. Uh, next, Seth, <laughs> sounds like we got some news from Netflix this week. A lot of people are pretty pissed about. Yeah, Net- uh, Netflix is going to be raising the price again, which they did recently. It sounds like this is more, though, I think they did some of their like outlier plan price, ra- price raising for the last time. This time it's going to be their core one. Um, or at least maybe, no, this is their HD streaming one. So this is the one I think what most people have. It's currently, currently $11. Uh, it's going to go up to 13 now a month. Um, which is, so that's the two screens and HD streaming. The one I have is I think the one above that, which is the, the 4k streaming. And I think that's like 14 or yeah, that's already 14 a month. So I don't know if that one's going to be raised, but it sounds like it's more just for the, the core people. So we'll see what happens. Um, is there a point? Where you wouldn't pay for Netflix anymore? No, I and I, I and I think so. This is the problem I have, and I saw some people tweeting about this. Really, people are going to start complaining about Netflix going up by two dollars a month. Like, if you spend as much time on Netflix as I'm led to believe by every Tinder profile I've ever seen, then <laughs> it is absolutely worth the fifteen dollars a month to for all of that TV. Like, if it went up to like thirty dollars, I would probably still pay it because you could very well, within reason never watch anything besides Netflix and you would always be entertained. So no, I'm not here for people bitching about the price going up. I'm okay with this. Uh, mostly because my brother pays for the account I use. And, um, I don't, I don't, I guess I don't think it should be much of an issue really. And I think for most people it won't be, it's just a chance for people to bitch about something because you know, we're in this world now where everything is expected to be free in a weird way, you know, like, Ubers cost almost nothing, and then when an Uber costs twenty dollars, we freak out. But like, that's a great deal on a cab, you know, things like that. And I guess I don't know. It, it, it's okay to pay another extra couple bucks, extra couple bucks a month for an awesome service that you use all the time. So I'm not going to be complaining about this. And I, I doubt there's anybody out there who that two who is paying for Netflix now, and that two extra dollars per month is going to somehow kill them. Like they can't afford 
the $2 a month. Like if you can't afford the $2 a month, you probably can't afford Netflix in the first place is my opinion. So I don't have a problem with this going up. Now you pay for your own account and don't have your brothers. So I don't know. Is there, is there, is there a cap for you? If this went up to a certain level, would you, would you quit Netflix? Yeah, it'd be hard. I mean, it'd have to be a lot. It'd probably be like, like 30 bucks a month, something like that. Mm -hmm. Because I, I, and I know, especially coming up here in the next year, there's, I'm probably going to buy the Disney streaming service. That's probably going to be 15 bucks a month. Um, luckily you have HBO, so I use that. Mm-hmm. Um, but like, uh, I'm definitely not getting the DC, DC service at this point, but I know Warner Brothers is coming out with a service. Universal is coming out with a service. So we're going to be getting to the point where the nice thing is when we have enough of these and they start competing, uh, some of the prices will kind of even out and not change much. It'll be more about content than it will be uh, price. But I think it's going to, that's what it's going to come down to is what can I, if for that $30 that I spent on Netflix, can I get uh, twice as much content by doing Disney and Universal or Disney and Warner Brother, you know, that type of thing. So um, can I spend my dollars for streaming elsewhere type of thing? Um, also, if they keep fucking putting out David Spade movies, I'm definitely not going to pay $30 a month. So <laughs> I think um, other than the crappy David Spade movies, like. I think it's more likely to affect other streaming services than it is to affect Netflix. Like if Netflix doubled in price, you probably wouldn't cancel Netflix, but you'd probably drop HBO. You know what I mean? I think it, for most people, I Netflix, I think, is the OG, and then everything else is ancillary. I just think that that's how most people probably are. That's not really how I am. I would drop I would drop Netflix before I dropped HBO. But that's just me, because what I watch is on yeah. HBO. Um so I don't know. This is interesting. And I would be, I would pose the question to the listener, tweet at us and let us know, like, what would your cap price be for Netflix? Because some, I, I don't know anybody that doesn't have Netflix. Um, and I feel like we're all just along for the ride, whatever it costs, we're going to pay it now. So I don't, I, I don't know though. Cause I mean, like you just look at anything in history. I mean, uh, 10 years ago, we didn't really know, or not 10, God, we're old 15 years ago. We didn't really know what Netflix was. And They've innovated enough, but what have they really done that other than, you know, make, make new programming, what have they done that's innovated? Something else could come out and do, uh, what Netflix does, but does it better, you know, in five years and cheaper, you know? So, um, it's, you know, it's, it's not, it's not a matter like in the current state of things right now, yes, Netflix would be hard to get rid of, mm-hmm. but you never know what's going to happen in five years. You know, Disney could have, um, Disney could be the, because HBO used to be the one with all of the, uh, the Emmy shows and, and all that stuff. Now it's at, now it's Netflix. What, what if in five years that becomes Hulu instead? Netflix starts making crappy stuff and Hulu has all the night, the good stuff. You know, that'll that'll change. It's, it's about it's going to be about content, innovation and price. Um, so I can't say for certain Netflix will be what I pay for for the rest of my life because, you know, uh, five, 10, 15 years ago, they didn't have all the good stuff. So yeah. HBO did. That's a really good point. They are going to have to continue to innovate and everyone wants the next Netflix. And I think Netflix is doing a lot of work to stay out in front of that. But you never know. Um, they, they can and probably eventually will be caught. Um, but I think it's a while out. They're throwing a lot of money at this thing right now. And they have, you know, to your point, I do think the prices will converge and it'll be about the content. And if that's true, I still think Netflix is competing well. Um, but, you know, well, we don't know. Uh, in five years, we could listen to this conversation on our, um, you know, our, our Zuba phone that doesn't exist yet and uh, <laughs> laugh at how stupid we sounded. So who knows? But, uh, yeah, it's been a big, uh, the news dropped today, which is Tuesday the 15th and a lot of vitriol on the internet over the $2, which is disappointing to me, but what are you going to do? All right. So, uh, two big pieces of news. We're going to move on and, uh, I am going to co-opt the TV corner. 
that's a my TV corner. Seth, Cody, I want to blow you. Woo! <laughs> did you see what I did there to the sounder? I changed it. <laughs> Jesus Christ. <laughs> it feels good to have your name in the sounder. I got to get one in mind. I watched a show on Netflix. We talked about it last week when we recapped the Golden Globes, and it's the Kaminsky Method. And, um, you know, we were a little bit surprised that it had won because we had seen some of the other things that it competed against. Um, I'll just say this to to start is I I think it actually kind of deserves the awards it got. Um, I'm not going to come out and say with a lot of confidence that it's better than Barry or Atlanta or whatever else it was nominated against, but it deserved to be in Mrs. Maisel. Yeah. But it deserved to be in that conversation at least. Um, so I'm, I'm less, uh, like grossed out by the choice to have it as the winner. Um, I think, so the Kaminsky method is about Sandy Kaminsky, who's played by Michael Douglas and he is an acting coach and his best friend is his agent who is played by Alan, um, Alan, I always get Alan Alda and Alan Arkin mixed up. I think it's Arkin. It is Alan Arkin. You're right. So it's about those two guys. And really the show is about a couple of things. Mainly it's um, like aging. And, and they're both getting old and they talk about that a lot. And and Sandy, uh, Michael Douglas is more of like kind of a career womanizer and always kind of dating younger girls. And then uh, Alan Arkin's character, whose name is escaping me right now, um, he is called Norman. Uh, he's had a super long marriage, uh, and his, his wife at the beginning of the series, his wife is very sick. So they're, they're both in very different kind of stages of life. And they, there's like stuff about like how your prostate starts to go when you get old and how your, your goals change and dealing with the younger, like their kids who are in their thirties and forties. Um, so it's really just about guys becoming old and then through the (laughs) lens of like actors, right? So there's some scenes in here that take place in Sandy's acting class that I think are right up there next to the acting class scenes from Barry in terms of being entertaining. There's, they do less of the look at this terrible actor and how funny it is that Barry did and more of like, here's legit good acting for 30 seconds as a scene. And I really appreciated those scenes. And I think the show, you know, it, it was put on by Chuck Lorre who uh, is famous for all of his fucking network comedies and stuff. And this is very funny at times, but it's very sneaky in its comedy. Uh, More of the time, I would say it's more dramatic than the other uh, comedy nominees, but um, they, they do sneak in some pretty good jokes. And because it's on Netflix, they get to cuss, so they say fuck and stuff like that. Um, So I think what you have here in summary is a, a show that talks about real stuff and treats them with respect, you know, and takes them seriously and is a legit good drama show and then has some really good comedic elements and in jokes and things like that in here. And it really, it's just a touching story about like two friends really. And so, uh, I really enjoyed this one. I don't really give out ranks, but I guess I'd give it like a four, four, uh, 4.4 surprise boners out of five. <laughs> on this one. Um, so I, I really enjoyed the Kaminsky method and I would recommend it to you. Seth, I hope you'll watch it. It's a quick watch, eight episodes, 25 to 30 minutes a piece. And, okay. um, it's really, it's, it's just good and funny, but it has a heart that is meaningful. So I, I think it's a good and one. I, I'd recommend it to folks out there. Apparently boners too. Yeah. It does have some boners that are fun. Um, okay. there's a lot of good elements in the show. And I, I think they'll have another season. I hope so. And, uh, I'll, I'll be watching it pretty quick after it comes out. I, I, this show did surprise me. I threw it on, just as like a, you know, I have 20 minutes to kill, I'll throw it on. And I ended up watching the whole thing over the weekend. So 
Uh, I give it a thumbs up. Check it out. Get out of my fucking corner. <laughs> All right. I'll, I will get out of your corner. That's in my TV corner. Cody. I want to blow you. Woo! <laughs> Man, it feels good to have that segment. Uh, let's move on from... You don't have nothing. <laughs> you know what? I do have my name in a segment, but not in a sounder. Uh, let's move on to this week's high co What you want? What you want? I gotta find a way to get my name in that one. <laughs> Hypothetically speaking. <laughs> if I could pull that, that off, I'd have a job as an editor and not <sighs> as a tool who edits the never mind. Let's go on. You are a tool. You should put that in the <laughs> in there. <laughs> You are a tool. It's probably going to be the title of the show now. <laughs> All right. So last week we talked about uh, we in the, was it? I think it was the one more thing, the Grover thing with the swearing. <laughs> yeah. So it got me thinking a little bit. So this is kind of a little bit of a, a, a divergent path here, but got me thinking about um, about that the the voice actor who in that scene it wasn't, but normally Grover is Frank Oz who does Yoda, and. People know who Frank Oz is, you know, it, it, well, a lot of people do. I wouldn't say people in general, but a decent amount of people know who he is and what he's done. Um, Pretty much he is. But, but people probably don't know what he looks like. And if you walked up, walked up to, to him on the street, you wouldn't really be like, oh, Frank Oz, you know? So it got me thinking about if you were in that, if you, if you were to choose a, a life in fame, Ooh. which I know something you've thought about before. Um, so your options are you can either have a lifelong career in entertainment behind the scenes, so like voiceover, choreographer, something like that, and get paid well and consistently. Um, not like you're not like you can't go out and buy, you know, all the houses or shit you want, you know, anything like that. Um, but it's 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 a good living or you get one year of fame. You get paid a whole bunch of money in one lump sum, but you can never be heard from or paid again. Ooh, I... people know who you are still. It's like, so be like, oh, what happened to that Cody guy? But you can't go out there and do stuff like you're you're just, you know, you're you're living in your life. Man, that's a tough one because that'd be a fun ass year and I'd have a bunch of money and then I could just fade into you, obscurity. But you would. But in the first one, you're still technically famous. You're famous like Frank Oz's. People know your name. But if they saw you on the street, they wouldn't know who you are. Um, you don't really do interviews. You don't really do appearances or anything like that. You're just, oh, Cody, the voice like Nolan North is like for uh Video games, like if you know video games, you know Nolan North. Mm-hmm. But if someone said, "Oh, Nolan North," most people aren't going to be like, "Oh, th- who?" They're they're, they're going to be like, "Oh yeah, that guy." So, so would I get a chance to do like convention panels or anything like sure. that, like podcast interviews and stuff like that? Sure, you can do that, but I mean, again, that's for a, a small segment. Yeah, of people. it's not big time, big time fame. Mm-hmm. If you had asked me this a year ago, I would have I would have wanted the huge fame for one year. Because I, 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 I used to and, and still very occasionally have delusions of grandeur and that the world needs to know who I am. Um, but I think the having, the having to fade into obscurity, I'd rather never be super famous than to be very super famous and then have it taken away because then I, okay. I think I would go nuts after that. Like trying to, <laughs> trying to get that back would be a problem sure. for me. Um, so give me the life. And this, would, this is a very admirable life. If I could work as a choreographer and you know, be in the dance realm considered a good one and paid well and get to kind of meet famous people and be a part of cool projects. That'd be enough for me, I think. That'd be very fun. And um, 
you know, that life is still a cool one. I, I pay attention to a few choreographers and their lives are pretty fucking cool. Um, so yeah, getting some mid-level fame that's more consistent, like a Shatner is today, um, I think would be pretty fun uh, rather than being like, I don't know who, who expl- like the uh, cash me outside girl. Uh, I'd rather, <laughs> I'd rather not be that. And then she's going to spend the whole rest of her life trying to get that famous again. So I think that's what I'd go. Coach with. me outside. Yeah. I, the, the, for once in my life, I, I've, I've chosen the adult path and, uh, wow. and taken the sustainable and more modest, uh, approach to this one. Coach me outside. How about that? I'm going to write that down. I'm going to go viral. See, I'm going to get both Seth. No, you can't. It's not how this works. <laughs> Well, uh, catch me on the next episode of Some Two Nerds podcast doing an interview next week because I'm mid-level famous this week in hypotheticals. What you want, what you want, what you gonna do? And what you gonna do? Tell me what you wanna do. Hypothetically speaking. All right, speaking of famous people, uh, we have a really, I think, fun uh, little bit of Mambo number 5 coming at you. Ladies and gentlemen, this is Mambo number five. So what do famous people do? They go and host Saturday Night Live. And we talked last week about the upcoming uh, spring series premiere that is going to feature Rachel Brosnahan. Uh, And actually, we just heard this week that uh, James McAvoy from Glass is going to be hosting in a couple weeks as well. So uh, in the vein of Saturday Night Live, we decided to count down our top favorite Saturday Night Live sketches. So these can be individual sketches or recurring bits. Um, but there are, I mean, 40 however many years of Saturday Night Live, there's a million of these to, to count down. Um, but we've just got a handful here each. Uh, mine is heavily skewed toward recency. Uh, I did not watch a lot of Saturday Night Live growing up, but since I've been you know, an adult, uh, I have watched a lot. So you'll notice that mine are pretty recent. I don't know if you'll have any throwbacks or not, but uh, let's, let's jump into it. Um, I can think of a couple that might be on your list. I'll be interested to see what you have, though. Number five. So my number five, they they did it a couple times. And I know, Seth, that you know about this one, but I don't know if a lot of our listeners will. Do uh, you remember Heshi? Yeah. <laughs> so I have her in as my number five. So this was Nassim Pedrad as a, like a dating Gail. coach. And she had this presentation where she would tell women how to date men and she was like very like plain and old looking and just not sexy. And she would talk about how she like nearly got to second base with these guys and like had very mild interest from people. So she was just a terrible dating coach. And she had these like sound cues where she'd like hump and it would make a big noise because uh, her son was off running a soundboard on the side. And it was fucking hysterical. And they have uh, Charlize Theron was on and she played her friend Gail that came out and they would hump. And it would say, hishy, hishy. And then Gale, when they would hump. And it would be, it was fucking hilarious. I, we watched that when I was in college probably 1,000 times. So that, that was yeah. number five for me. And most of these are ones that I've just seen a million times. And so that one, I know, is yeah. one you're aware of. So it's my number five. That's aware of. It's not my list, but it's one I'm definitely aware of. It's a good good uh, honorable mention. Uh, my number five is Celebrity Jeopardy. Nice. Are you thinking more classic, like Will Ferrell, or more recent? I'm just thinking all-encompassing because uh, I was like, as a whole, like okay. can either be re- recurring or one, one thing. All of mine are actually more. All of them except for one. Actually, the one is still kind of recurring, but um, all these are pretty much recurring bits for me. I like the recurring stuff. 
Yeah, so just yeah, all of them in general, but I mean all were Will Ferrell, of course, but they're all they're all pretty great. I mean some of the moments, uh the suck at Trebek are pretty great. The 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 French Stewart, that's a good classic one. The fortieth anniversary one is pretty great too. I loved that one. Uh, I remember we watched we watched that one live, mm-hmm. and uh, we got a kick out of that one. But yeah, just there's so many good moments out of the Celebrity Jeopardy. It's a classic. So number four, and then we may be kicking this can. This is where I had Stefan. That's actually my number four too. Nice mutual number four. So <laughs> Stefan, Bill Hader's uh, nightlife correspondent on Weekend Update. I love the slide in Weekend Update people. I think that's one of the best things <laughs> yeah. that they do. And Stefan, I mean, everyone knows Stefan. Uh, New York's hottest club is. And there's one specific one, though, where... <laughs> I know what you're talking about. <laughs> I the, the, There's one time in my life I've literally rolled on the floor laughing. And it was from Stefan. And he's, you know, his thing is always that the name of the club is something very strange. And he goes, the name of the, the, name of the club is, son, your mother and I are separating. And I was <laughs> dead. And then he goes on to tell a joke about how Hugh Jackman singing sounds like a gorilla in pain or something like that. <laughs> yeah. And I was just rolling. So he's, they had him back, uh, have had him back a couple times to do that. And um, God, it's fucking hysterical. And then you hear about like Mulaney writing for it and trying to trip him yeah. up. Uh, MTV's Dan Cortez is another one. Yeah, that's, fucking that's great. one. Uh, so Stefan is just, every single time he did that was fucking hilarious. What was the the last one he did when he hosted? He had like there was he did like the the count of three, and the third one was a, a one that he said over and over again, and I can't yeah, remember. Yeah, it was Roman J Israel Esquire. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> <laughs> and like he kept dying every like the first time he just kind of like shook his head and was like what, and then he did it two like three times total, and by the end he was cracking up. Oh, that was great. I love, if you're into if you uh, love breaks, then Stefan is the fucking sketch for you. Number three. So my number three is, I, if we if we got together, you and I, and made a list together of our mutual top five, I know this would uh-huh. be right near the top. This is Paul and Phil. <laughs> that's, a, I, that's another one that's an honorable mention. It didn't make my list. Oh, but. my God. I have watched Paul and Phil 1,000 times. And it's... Yeah. So it's a spooky Halloween one where they go into a graveyard, mm-hmm. and the graveyard ghouls are singing their song, and Paul and Phil are just two normal guys from Iowa. <laughs> Who are just like they're nice and not scary, and it's um, yeah. Taron Killam and Jim Carrey, and it's yeah. Just look up if the listeners out there haven't seen Paul and Phil, just Google Paul and Phil, and it is it's so fun. It's like adorable and cute and innocent and so fucking funny. And the way that they, the way Taron Killam and Jim Carrey get into those characters is hilarious to me. It's so perfect. So this one I've watched with other people when it's not us, and uh, it doesn't go over. Doesn't as go well. over. As well. <laughs> no. Maybe it is just us, but I fucking I don't care. Though I don't care if the yeah. world disagrees. It is fucking funny. It is hilarious. Um, this one I think will be a bit of a can kick. I, I my number three was David Pumpkins. Oh yeah, kick that can. Okay, I will uh, kick it. So far, you won't be able to see it. <laughs> number two. My number two. So I'm I'm gonna give I'm gonna count one of my honorable mentions in here as well. So there are two Vanessa Bayer slide in Saturday Night Live people that I want to have as my number two, like both. One one is the little Jew boy that she does. And Jacob. Jacob. Oh my God. And he's like trying to read from his Torah. And and they'll try to talk to him and he always just like ignores him and goes back to his Torah and it's fucking hilarious. Every time. And her yeah. delivery in that is perfect. 
And Jake, yeah, Jacob. I, I should remember Jacob. I, I wrote Jew Boy yeah. on my thing. It's probably, <laughs> probably not cool. Um, but that one is hilarious. And I know you know what the second one is. Don Lazarus. Pap? Yeah. <laughs> so she comes in to do the weather and can't talk because she's too nervous. And she says, like, she keeps going, hap, instead of saying yes. And it's great. Uh, and she only did Don Lazarus <laughs> for, like, the last two weeks before she left the show, which was a bummer. <laughs> but Vanessa Bayer in general, she would be one. Of, if we did a cast members list, she would be in my top five for sure. And She's great, those yeah. couple of characters she had were, were so outstanding to me. Yeah, that is a good one. I like both of those. I'm crying just they were, thinking again, about it. They both were uh, – I knew they'd be on – I knew – I knew they'd both be on your list somewhere. I, I, I'll accept that you did uh, a combined one there. But, um, yeah, I figured they'd be on your list. They're, again, honorable mention for me. Uh, my number two is the Californians. Oh, I forgot about them. Yeah, that one's great. Yeah. That one's classic. This one they do all the time. Even like Especially when Bill Hader comes back, they do it. and uh, Or Kristen Wiig or whatever. Fred Armisen's another one. But uh, this one you can watch pretty much any any one of them. And there is a point where you'll, you'll definitely start laughing. Uh, they always break on this one, too. Um, which is great. It's just so it's weird, but it's hilarious. Um, yeah, it's great. Especially too, they they always have. I I feel like the hosts uh, always would like request to be in the Californians because like they had such weird people doing it, and they threw in such weird storylines with it, mm-hmm. and, and they always seem like that a lot of fun. So uh, Californians is great. Ooh, what are you doing here? <laughs> I have th- when I sit in a fancy chair, I always hear Fred Armisen say, "Let's sit in these Spanish lounge chairs." <laughs> number one come on man it's david pumpkins i'm disappointed that you didn't have david pumpkins also as your number one because we had i don't know if i'm sure everyone has seen by now our portrayal as david pumpkins and the dancing skeletons uh from halloween 2017 was the number one halloween costume of all time and we have watched that video probably twenty thousand times and we uh-huh. have it memorized and it still makes me laugh every single time and true david pumpkins come on so so the reason i don't have it number one is because i that is my that is easily my favorite single sketch of all time Mm. um but i went with something that's given me more like more quantity of laughs and joy gotcha before as opposed so before you give this one one of my favorite like surprise callbacks though do you remember when they did the rap song and then david s pimpkins showed up (laughs) Yeah, I yeah. that is the hardest I've laughed at, at like any single I, one second joke like ever. <laughs> I remember because I actually specifically remember this. So this is when we were still at the townhouse and I'd watched the you had gone out like on a date or something that the Saturday night. And I watched that episode, the episode SNL and I had seen it as that rap song. I was dying laughing, but I didn't. T- so uh, the next morning or, you know, did the recap of what we both did. Mine was very short. Yours was a little bit longer. And, uh, and nice. I was like, oh, I watch SNL. Nice. Um, you definitely need to watch it soon. And he's, and you're like, okay, that's, I'll go watch it. And so I kind of had the volume low. I mean, I could hear you anyway, but I had the volume kind of low to what I was watching. And then I just heard you fucking cackle, <laughs> uh, so loud. And I knew, so then, then I got up, paused and, and went downstairs and it just finished the video. So <laughs> I just remember specifically you dying laughing. Oh my god, I probably hurt myself trying to laugh that hard. Like it was, it was one of the best jokes, like single one second jokes I've ever seen. Yeah, that rap song is great in general, and then they throw in David S. Pimpkin. <laughs> oh, so great. So yeah, my number one is uh, this. This is even weirder than the Californians. The weirdest. This is the weirdest SNL sketch 
I don't understand the origins really, but it makes me I it makes me laugh every single time. I think I know what this it's is. It's a Dunice uh, on the Lawrence Welk show. <laughs> <laughs> Kristen Wiig. It's so fucking good. Um, with her weird hands and she sings songs every time and um, there's so many good ones. Uh, my favorites are the they did a sound of music mm-hmm. when they're doing sound of music live. They threw her in there. <laughs> into the sound of music as one of the kids and then uh the one of the, the mother's day one with betty white's pretty great but yeah just the songs that she sings she did like <laughs> like where she does her voice it's so weird like it's the weirdest fucking thing but every time it makes me laugh anytime she pops up on screen i fucking start laughing um i don't understand where this came from i don't understand how this came from krista wig's mind if she's the one who wrote it but it's great. It makes me laugh every time. So I, I, everyone I know loves this. I'm, I'm not just, I'm just not as into it. Like it, it makes me laugh, but it, it's, it was never anywhere near my list, but I've seen you see these and I can vouch for the fact that you think it's fucking hilarious. <laughs> and oh, whenever is. she gets into stuff like with her tiny hands though, that's when I think it's most funny because <laughs> that shit <laughs> There's is. There's one where she's, she, uh, they're like running around behind Lawrence Wilkes, who is played by Fred Armisen. And she like stops and starts just popping the bubbles with her hands. <laughs> it's fucking weird, man. It's great. It is. It's so weirdly awesome. It is impossibly weird. Uh, so, <laughs> Dune rounds out our top five. What are a couple of honorable mentions you had? The the one the one of them that made me laugh a lot when Bill Hader hosted um, was the one where he is the old guy. Yeah, I had that on my list. <laughs> The way he even talks, he's just like, mm, no, <laughs> like doing that stuff. It's it's time. It's time. It's happening. Like, yeah. And what's funny. And then like, I love his, he has only like a couple of our listeners are going to get this, but he has a Kirk smile on during some of that yeah. sketch and it kills me. Yeah. Well, the other Bill Hader one too is uh, the the reporter. The, I can't remember his name, but the the reporter guy who hits like people in the face with the microphone when he's talking to <laughs> he him is and stuff. Great, that's a great one. Um, the two uh, prostitutes, the Bivolgari. <laughs> Those ones are great. I forgot about that one. <laughs> There's so many good ones. Oh my god! Uh, so I had speaking of old guys, uh, when Adam Driver was on and he was an old guy, and he was there for like career day. And he starts screaming at these kids about how they have to crush their enemies. Do you remember that? <laughs> I don't think I saw that. Oh one. my god, it's hysterical! It's from this last, just this most recent season, I think. Um, so I had him. Uh, Black Jeopardy is funny to me. They had like Tom Hanks, I think, was on Black Jeopardy and won it <laughs> for whatever reason. Um, oh yeah, that was a good one. Those are always great. Um, the whenever so three people always get abducted by aliens, and one of them is Kate McKinnon. And she's always, like, the other two people always had, like, a really pleasant experience, but she got, like, anally probed and stuff and is always talking about gross shit. Do you remember this? <laughs> yeah. Yep. She's talking about having, like, her poop hole explored and stuff. Like, it's just horrible language that she's using. And it, and always, always the, the special guest host will break during that. And it kills me every time. <sighs> there, are, there are literally thousands of SNL sketches. So let us know if we missed yours. Hit us on the tweets uh, or in the comments and let us know what we missed. I'm sure there's some out there. Um, Cork Soakers, I know we, we didn't include. Uh, the Van Down by the River. Fans of the Classics are going to be pissed. The Cowbell. Um, there's just so goddamn many SNL sketches. So these are our five, uh, our favorites. But let us know what yours are. Uh, we're not going to change our list, but we wouldn't mind hearing yours too. Ladies and gentlemen, this is Mambo number five. 
All right, let's keep it rolling. And we need to uh, get back into a segment that we started last week. This is Making the Quota. What's your name? Fuck you. That's my name. My name is Inigo Montoya. And I quote. I think one of my favorite quotes of all time is, what's what's your name? Fuck you. That's my name. I've been looking for a reason to use that in a sounder for ages. <laughs> it's a funky, funky sounder. <laughs> um, so this week's Making the Quota. You've definitely seen this movie um, a lot. Uh, I have seen this movie a lot. Um, you'll probably get this off first one, but I had to do it. <laughs> the quote is, what's she going to do? Boob him to death? <laughs> um, I, re- I can remember this fucking quote, but now I can't remember. Because she's making fun of her because she's not dressed to fight, right? Um, yeah. <laughs> what's she going to do? Boob him to death? I, fuck. Um, give me another. Give me a hint. <laughs> Squirrel nuts comes from this movie. <laughs> <laughs> okay yeah god that is a throwback you ready to rumble right <laughs> yeah okay yep. so ready to rumble i didn't know that was ever on netflix um yeah i watched it at your house on the xbox fucking a that is amazing um what's mm-hmm. she gonna do boob him to death so ready to rumble is a high recommend to anyone <laughs> like if you like wrestling at all Ready to Rumble is a must-watch. It is fucking hysterical. And it holds up. I watched it just a couple years ago. And it holds up. It has, um... Oh... You remember what character said that? What's she gonna do? Boob him to death? Mm-hmm. Wasn't it, um... Wasn't it Jimmy the King that said it? Yeah, that's uh, played by Oliver Platt. God, that is that actor, isn't it? He's gone on to do some mm-hmm. actual legit stuff, other than Jimmy the King. Yeah. <laughs> um, what's she gonna do? Boob him to death? That's a good one. I like it. What do you like? I will rule you. Soon as I, I will reign supreme. As soon as I finish this here beer. We could probably quote ninety percent of that movie. We won't because that's not good radio. But uh but yeah, ready to rumble also. Let's do this. Uh ready to rumble and it's ready and then the number two rumble is gonna be No, it's it's a it's a T O. Oh, is it a T O? Okay, wrong form of two. Yeah, anyway. Ready the two was the video game. The, the boxing game. That's right. That game was super fun. Anyway, we're off. Mm-hmm. What I was going to say is that Ready to Rumble is going to be this week's Retro Recommend. I'm going to take you back in time. Where we're going, we don't need roads. That is, I'm so glad you reminded me that that movie exists. I'm going to try to find it and watch <laughs> it soon because that is fucking great. Well, because I... I uh, I thought about that movie, uh, and then I scroll because just go through. If you ever just like think about a movie, this is how I do it: as I think about a movie, and then I go to the quotes on IMDb, and uh, like I went to School of Rock, and those are all pretty obvious. Like I tried finding one that's not too obvious, um, but not too obscure, and like School of Rock was all way too specific and obvious, and then Ready to Rumble was pretty specific too. And then I just saw what she gonna do, boob him to death as I scrolling through. So yeah, that worked. It was good. Uh, by the way, Ready to Rumble is looks like it is on Netflix right now. I th- yeah, I remember seeing that it was not too long ago. So check that one out. That gets a high recommend from us. So that's a good one. Uh, what you gonna do, boob him to death? That's a good. I, I like this new segment. We're gonna keep it. What's your name? Fuck you. That's my name. <laughs> my name is Inigo Montoya. And I quote. That was making the quota. We have, oh man, this is maybe the most excited I've ever been to get into the movie segment. 
Can we please have quiet on the set? Movies. In and that'll do it for the show this week. Uh, we'll see you next hey, week. Bye. Shut your fucking mouth. We got movies to talk about. Uh, let's start at the top with the most important movie news ever. This 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 is a week that came straight out of my dreams, and the first and biggest part of it. And we'll get we'll get to another part in a bit. But Mission Impossible sequels have been announced. And yes, I did say sequels. We're getting two new Mission Impossible movies in back to back fucking years. They're gonna film back to back. Mission Impossible's what, seven and eight? Is that right? Or six and seven? I think so. I think it's I think seven, it's seven, seven and, eight. and eight are going to come out in the summers of 2021 and 2022 back to back. They're filming both uh, next, you know, right back to back. Christopher McQuarrie is back for both movies, as is Tom Cruise. And we got an official announcement for both of them. Two new Mission Impossible movies are in the works. And I am, holy cow, I am excited. Um, that's pretty much like how how can you make me more excited than to announce a Mission Impossible movie? Announce fucking two of them. Ugh. I don't think I could really add much to that. So hey, you uh, don't have to, man. Just let just let my excitement permeate through the radio waves. Um, gross. It is. Yeah, it's gross. No, I'm not even going to try to dance around it. It is disgusting. And this is as excited. And of course, I have to wait two and a half years for these fuckers. But knowing I get two of them is a huge deal to me. And I'm very happy. So as long as Tom Cruise lives that long and doesn't kill himself with some crazy ass stunt, then the summers of 2021 and 2022 are going to be dominated by fucking damn, 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 damn. And my 29 and 30 year old self is going to be freaking out and uh, making myself look less mature than I am. So look forward to that in two years. It's quite a bit. Mission Impossible is is coming. Uh, a movie that I think you might be about 5% as excited for as I am for Mission Impossible is the upcoming Uncharted movie. Uh, we've talked about this in the past, and Seth, you're a big fan of the Uncharted video games. So we talked a little while back about Tom Holland being cast in the Uncharted movie, and uh, that is set to start filming later this year. And we had a couple pieces of news from that uh, camp, I guess. Uh, the first came uh, earlier this week when we got a, a new director. And that new director is, uh, what's his name? Um, he's the director of 10 Cloverfield Lane, um, which is a movie that I know you enjoyed. Um, his mm-hmm. name is Dan Trachtenberg. So he, he is on now mm-hmm. to direct the Uncharted film. And then there was news today that said that they're going through some, some script rewrites um, prior to starting to film later this year. So uh, kind of a little bit of shifting around for this one, but uh, based on what you saw from 10 Cloverfield Lane, not a lot of depth other than that in his kind of filmography. So this director plus mm-hmm. Tom Holland, where's your excitement level for the Uncharted project? I'm still uh, optimistic for it. Um, apparently uh, this, this guy has been wanting to do Uncharted, wanted to direct Uncharted for a long time. Um, he did an interview apparently in like 2013 or 14 talking about um that's a project he's really wanted to work on and he had a bunch of ideas for it and he's a big fan of the games. So that makes me excited. Uh, I'm glad it's not because I don't think a lot of the directors that have been attached in the past have been big fans of the games or, you know, big passionate about the games. So getting someone there in there who is, and now it's getting the project moving forward and Tom Holland stars continuing to rise. Um, as we see even today with the, uh, the reveal of the new Spider-Man trailer, um, I think this is the perfect time for it with the right people on board. Still kind of wish it wasn't uh, a younger Nathan Drake 
in it. Uh, I do like Tom Holland a lot, but I'd prefer to kind of have them jump in to the story uh, as the video games do. But regardless, I think with having the right person involved who uh, knows the material and is passionate about the material, I think that's a good start. So, yeah, I do. I I would agree with you here. So I, I pulled Uncharted up on the IMDb. There are rumors. Now this is purely a rumor, but I do want your reaction to it. Uh, there are rumors that they're in talks with Brian Cranston. Uh, I would imagine potentially as Sully, uh, Nathan Drake's old older mm. partner. What would you think of Brian Cranston in that role? I would be pumped about that because Brian Cranston is, uh, he can do anything. He can do any role. Um, I didn't see the upside, so I don't know how well, how, how good he does in that. But um, I, I mean, he's, for, again, he's one of those actors for me that it doesn't matter what role he's in. Um, he transforms into that, that, that character. So um, I, I, there's no reason he couldn't do the same as, uh, as Sully could be very exciting. Here's hoping it turns out well, uh, Uncharted definitely deserves to have the proper, uh, movie treatment. And it sounds like the pl- pieces are in place to have that done. So we'll keep an eye on that. Uh, obviously still a long ways out, but filming set to start later this year. So, uh, we will keep an eye on all the news as it progresses. Big news also this week out of the Star Trek camp. Uh, there's been a lot of hubbub over the last couple of years about the future of the new rebooted Star Trek Chris Pine franchise. And uh, we have heard official word this week that Star Trek four has been canceled. It was priorly on the shelf uh, with Chris Pine and, and uh, Chris Hemsworth kind of not looking like they wanted to come back. But now we have official word. It is not happening. The Star Trek reboots will now go down as a trilogy only uh, and not with any continuation. So, uh, Seth, I'm curious to get your take. Were you excited for a fourth one? Or are you disappointed to see this one go? Eh, I don't really care that much. I, I liked those movies, but it's nothing like I'm, you know, uh, clamoring for. You know, if they were in the theater, I would go see them up any weekend, but I'm not too sad about it. Apparently, though, I did read um, that this Picard series that's going to be on CBS apparently is going to have links to the J.J. Abrams Star Trek movies. So... That's kind of interesting. But, uh, yeah, regardless, I don't really care that much all around. Yeah, you and I are not huge Trekkies. Uh, I think what's cool is, you know, let the Abrams trilogy live on its own. Um, and, you know, let's get the new, let's get the next round of Star Trek. There will always be Star Trek movies. Um, so whatever it is they decide to do next, uh, I'm ready for a change. You know, I, I, I loved those three movies. I thought they were really well done. And I love the cast, but... Um, you know, it was probably about time to wrap that one up. So disappointed they don't get to close it out in the way they probably originally planned. But uh, yeah, I'm with you. I'm not shedding any tears over this one. So here is an exciting, you know, in the in a world where everything is getting rebooted and sequelized, here's one I'm actually excited about. Eddie Murphy's Coming to America from the 80s. Did you see that movie? No, probably not. Oh my God, you got to watch it. It's hilarious. It is getting a sequel uh, with Eddie Murphy is coming back and then Arsenio Hall as his uh, sort of partner, um, his like valet, is going to be back as well. So there's going to be a sequel to Coming to America, which is one of the classic comedies of, I think, the 80s, like peak Eddie Murphy time. And this could go any number of ways. This could go very poorly, but I am excited to have Eddie Murphy back starring in this. And I think this is a movie that could benefit from a sequel and could be done well if it was updated. Um, so, Seth, I know you haven't seen coming to America, but it's been a little while since we've had Eddie Murphy. Are you, uh, are you welcoming him back to a starring role? Are you excited to see what he's got? Uh, sure. I'll see it. <laughs> um, I don't like his comedy kind of comes from 
it'll be interesting to see how it fits in with today in comedy because mm-hmm. uh, a lot of his comedy is uh, not necessarily the uh, political correct comedy that people are going for today mm-hmm. so um, we'll see if that fits in with with what everyone's looking at and I'm sure people will welcome him back because he's a legend but he might need to uh, he might need to censor himself a little bit. Mm-hmm potentially so we'll see how that goes yeah and this movie is no exception it's definitely in that vein of 80s comedy that's probably not okay anymore uh, a lot of the jokes in that movie so yeah he'll need a good update but i think this one could be a, a little bit of a surprise um for folks or it could go horribly so any any way it's gonna go i'm excited to see just what happens so this will be interesting uh one more reboot to talk about and this was kind of a surprise to me but then when i thought about it i said okay this makes total sense hollywood Final Destination, the sort of horror series uh, where people have escaped death and then death comes for them and kills them with wacky accidents, uh, is going to be rebooted from the start. And here's the thing that has me leaning in. Um, A lot of the talent, or not of the talent, a lot of the creators from Saw are going to be sort of attached to this. And so I think what you're going to see here is, you know, really creative accidental murders in this and final destination is one of those series that for me um i've watched them all and it's really just kind of entertaining to see how people are going to die really that's it and saw also did that pretty well over the course of time you know say what you will about the quality of those movies over time but (laughs) um the the traps always seem to be interesting enough and creative enough so i think that that's what they can bring to a final destination reboot um did you ever see any of the final destination movies uh bits and pieces of them but yeah, nothing really. That's my uh, my cup of tea. Yeah. So if I tell you, it's really just it's people dying, creative, accidental deaths, and the saw people are involved. Are you interested? Not really, <laughs> um, because uh, I mean, yeah, especially like Jigsaw was not very good, um, and really the saw movies weren't good past the third one. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, whatever. Like again with horror it doesn't matter what it is horror for me has to be something new something different and something that is generally um unique and done well uh a lot of these movies um especially final destination saws um things like that are just done put together to show gnarly stuff and then try and make money you know so uh, for me, it's got to be it's got to be something different. It's got to be something like a quiet place or what like us looks to be or get out was or stuff like that for me to uh, hereditary some, something like that to get me out to the theater. Yeah, I don't blame you. And I agree with what you're saying. This is definitely just a vehicle for us to watch people get their heads chopped off in weird ways. Uh, but I am in I, I will I will definitely go see this and it might be a fart box, but I'll go see it. And then uh, if you're not going to see it, then I'll describe it on the show. So. Uh, Final Destination is in the works, obviously still a long ways out, still pre-production, but uh, something to look forward to deep into the future. Those movies are getting to be like 20 years old now, the the mm-hmm. first couple. So interesting that it's in reboot territory. So a lot of good stuff. Let's move on to a little trailer talk. Uh, we do have one trailer that you watched that we're going to talk about, but before we get into that, um, Seth, you wanted to mention by the time this podcast drops... Uh, a big trailer that you're looking forward to seeing will have dropped as well. Oh, yeah. I'm real excited for this trailer. Um, we're going to be getting the third Dumbo trailer. That's going to be coming out this Thursday. I'm pretty pumped about that one. <laughs> so, no. Um, John Wick 3 is going to be coming out this Thursday. 
the trailer, not the movie. If it's co- the movie's coming out this Thursday, um, I would be taking the day off work. I would be doing a bunch of push-ups and going out and doing some jogging because I would need to get all the adrenaline in my body going. <laughs> um, but uh, you know, the trailer will be coming out Thursday, so definitely watch out for that. We'll be talking about it next week, or I will be talking about it next week for sure, and all the glorious headshots. <laughs> yeah, I know. Uh, you're pretty stoked about that one. And uh, depending on when that drops, maybe I'll be able to include the trailer in the description box so folks can go out and see that uh, after this episode has dropped. So you are maybe as excited about John Wick as I am for a trailer that dropped today. I'm not watching it, uh, but you did. Tell us what you thought, Seth, of the first trailer for Spider-Man Far From Home. Spider-Man Far From Home. Um, So first off, I I just read an article. So people have been kind of uh, speculating about um, when this takes place um, in terms of like the DC or not DC, the, the Marvel cinematic universe with Avengers and all this stuff. Uh, Kevin Feige did an interview with IGN and confirmed this takes place after Endgame, And it, a big part of this movie is him dealing with the events after the third and fourth movie. So, uh, third and fourth Avengers movie. So I hope that settles that, um, which I'm happy about. I didn't want to see some prequel stuff mm. just, you know, be, the next one in the in the thing because we're already getting another fucking marvel prequel this year in captain marvel so regardless takes place after but um what this is kind of what you'd expect uh spider-man is uh to- or peter parker is not in new york he's uh he goes on a uh school trip um over over i think in europe and uh he wants to leave he wants to leave the spider-man stuff behind he leaves his suit behind and he wants to hang out with his friends and now he's straight up calling Zendaya MJ. So she's Mary Jane. Um, <laughs> so uh, that's kind of where the, the trailer starts off. It's, you know, some fun music and, you know, like, like John Hughes uh, esque, like the first movie was, and then it cuts and uh, Ned lead leads, gets hit with a, with a, a dart in his neck and uh, kills him. They have a funeral. No, I'm kidding. Um, they, oh, uh, man. <laughs> <laughs> um he falls to the ground and in the corner is uh nick fury nick fury's in the corner uh and he says hey we haven't talked yet and uh that's when you start seeing kind of the shit go down with like uh the villains and all that stuff so you see there's a there's a group of villains called the elementals from the comics that'll be in this uh hydro man i think is one of them um he he was actually in the uh the spider-man cartoon from the 90s uh he dated mj for a bit but uh, he he can like for in the in the in the cartoon he could form looking he could turn into a person water, per, but he'd look like a person and not like clear. Is weird. Um, this one would definitely not be that. It's you know they're big huge forms and stuff like that. And you see like water, um, earth, but kind of like you know Avatar, but not really. Um, and then you do get a, you get a glimpse, uh, a pretty good glimpse of Mysterio, Jake Gyllenhaal's Mysterio, who who's try looking to be like the hero saving the day type thing in this case. But uh, getting to see the glimpse of, of him as uh, Mysterio is really cool. Um, his suit's pretty, his suit doesn't look over the top um, or he looks like a hero. You know, he looks like the way his suit looks makes him look like a hero. And he's, um, he's described in the trailer as a mix of Thor and uh, Iron Man, the way he like he uses his stuff. So it's pretty neat. It's done really well. I'm excited for that. Jake Gyllenhaal looks to, he has some charisma. He kind of talks a little bit. Um, he looks to be kind of a cool, cool hero, gonna be villain type thing um you see the new spider-man suit 
pretty sweet. I like you can see that in action. It has the wings and stuff on it. It's pretty neat. I'm excited for to see more of that suit. You could see a little bit of the stealth suit. Just some neat action shots, stuff like that. Cool tone to the trailer. Um, definitely excited for the movie. I'm glad that we know now as well that it's after the Mar- after Avengers because that would have been really annoying. So, um, yeah, uh, excited for it. Uh, I'm in. Let's let's do it. Boom. Um, we're going to link to that trailer so you can watch it for yourself. We're also going to link to Jared's trailer reaction. At Jared Buckendall. I know he's done one of those as well. So we'll include that in the description box so you can see both. Let us know what you thought of the trailer for Spider-Man Far From Home. But no spoilers. Uh, I'm not going to be watching it. I have seen some stills from this. So I, I actually did see uh, Mysterio. It looks pretty cool. So I'm interested to see what they do with this. Because knowing more about him from the comics... Uh, you know, there there are some spoilery, twisty things that probably are going to happen with him. So I'm interested to see what exactly this does and, of course, how it ties back to Endgame. So a lot of exciting Marvel stuff going on in the first half of this year. Eddie. Eddie. And um, <laughs> we will uh, we'll be keeping an eye on it. This is This is going to be very hard. So I've been doing this no trailers thing. Uh, for a while now and I, I texted you Seth today and was like I gotta watch this and you were like don't do it so I'm sticking to my guns this time and I'm gonna avoid Spider-Man because Spider-Man was the thing that originally set me on the no trailer thing because they pissed me off with the trailers for Homecoming so let it be known to everyone that I am excited for Spider-Man in case you forgot we will see uh, how excited you got for the movies you saw over the weekend and what you might have hated. So uh, I got to zero movies over the weekend. Pretty disappointed in myself for that. You got to four. So uh, <laughs> we've got a few things that you are going to review, and uh, I'll just let you go into it. What, what are we hearing about first? Yeah, I'll just go in order of what I saw. So um, got to four movies. All of them are uh, typical award season fair, I would say. Um, they all came out, had early, they all had, uh, limited releases before the end of the year, um, before the, for the cutoff of the Oscars. So may see some of these, uh, come up in, uh, in a few months for actually a few weeks for the nominations when they come out. But first one I saw on the basis of sex, uh, which is the porn parody for Ruth Bader Ginsburg. Um, it was really good. No, uh, it was, it's the Ruth Bader Ginsburg biopic starring Felicity Jones, um, does she have normally messed up teeth, kind of like big front teeth? Uh, or do they, do they add that? I think she usually, I mean, she's gorgeous, but I, d- I think she does have kind of a, a front heavy smile. Okay. I couldn't tell if it was like, it wasn't like Freddie Mer- Mercury, like it wasn't Rami Malek weird where, where they add teeth in, but it, it looked like maybe it was fake, but maybe not. I could be wrong because I've never seen Ruth Bader Ginsburg's teeth before because she's always fucking frowning. So <laughs> hey, um, when you get to 90 years old, you're not going to be smiling a lot either. That's, that's, that's true. Um, I got to say, this is the first movie I've ever seen where I had uh, dressed up as the character prior to the movie coming out. So... <laughs> Famous uh, for for those who don't remember, we're famously Ruth Bader Ginsburg um, for a, a Fourth of July drinking contest. So that was good. Awesome. We won best dressed. Anyway, so the Ruth Bader Ginsburg biopic. Felicity Jones uh, plays Ruth Bader Ginsburg. Um, Army Hammer plays her husband. Um, those are really the only two mega, not mega, but famous people in the movie. For from what I can remember, um, those are the two main characters of the movie. I, uh, Minus, uh, like, their daughter, Ruth Bader Ginsburg's daughter, plays a pretty good role in it. And I actually liked their relationship a lot. But this one centers around uh, Ruth is, um, the the first 30 minutes or so, um, you're starting to kind of see her 
uh, get established. So both her and her husband, uh, they're already married and have a kid at this point, and they are both going to Harvard. Um, he gets uh, uh, ball cancer, and she has to do <laughs> she has to do uh, both his coursework and her coursework um, to kind of get them both through college. So like, well, she'll like go to his classes and take notes and stuff, and then she'll bring it home for him. So it kind of shows the beginning of the relationship, or not really beginning of the relationship, but it shows kind of like the foundation of the relationship, and it shows that she is, you know, how strong she is. There's some scenes with her in like. Um, some of the meetings uh, with with different people at the Harvard College and stuff like that, kind of getting some of that the foundation of those relationships and some, maybe some of the places where she butt heads. Oh, Stephen Root's in this movie as well, fucking uh, dodgeball guy. Yes, so you get that first thirty minutes. Or so then after that is now she's she had to go away from Harvard. She's in Columbia. Uh, she's graduated from Columbia. Is you know can officially do law. She's also a, now a teacher at Columbia uh, because there wasn't much for her to do you know, at that time in terms of law. So she's, she's teaching. She's, she was at one time kind of a big warrior in terms of women's rights. And now she's teaching that to other people when a case kind of gets dropped on onto her where there's been all these cases where women have tried uh, there. I mean, cause there's laws back then that were on the basis of sex, you know, where women were, you know, uh, they, there was prejudice towards gender. And this case comes and gets dropped to her where she, it's a man who is getting, um, uh, ju- getting judged or negatively affected by that that rule, and so she sees this as an opportunity to uh, get that law changed finally. And that's the bulk of this movie is her kind of coming into her own as uh, a lawyer um, and as as eventually a judge, and um, her relationship with her husband and how he affected all that. Also, her daughter, because her daughter kind of is the one who kicks her out of being you know, just the teacher and she motivates her. So there's a lot of motivation there. Um, really cool, really interesting relationships. You get a lot, um, a lot in, into the inside of her as a person. Cause I don't, I don't know a ton about her as a person. I also didn't know what really, I mean, I know what she is famous for, for being a woman, uh, you know, a uh, Supreme court justice, but I didn't really know what super, what she was known for before that. And so this shows a lot of that. It was really interesting, very entertaining, uh, well acted all the way around. Uh, the movie as a whole, I don't really see as like an Oscar contender in terms of best picture, but maybe something for for, for Felicity Jones. She does a really good job. Um, Army Hammer is actually really charismatic too, so maybe something for him. Again, doubt it. I doubt it on all fronts, but I wouldn't be like shocked if that happened. Um, I would recommend the movie though. Uh, it's uh, it's definitely something you know, like a just a a nice easy watch. Um, there, I mean, there are some things obviously about gender in it that might get you a little frustrated in terms, especially back in that time, but. Um, it's, uh, it's, it's nothing like too deep, heavy or anything like that. It's, it's just a good watch, uh, good biopic about Ruth Bader Ginsburg. So I'd check, I'd check it out. Recommend checking it out. There you go. Yeah. I I love Felicity Jones. So I I may end up seeing this in time. Keep an eye out though, for the all dinosaur remake of this on the basis of Rex. Uh, it's coming out later this year. So (laughs) that one probably going to get some Oscar love. Go ahead and give yourself the fucking symbols or whatever. Thank you. Jesus Christ. <laughs> I don't know. I, I was thinking uh, thinking about looking up for the, the biopic about the uh, <laughs> the creators of my favorite taco place, uh, Taco John's, uh, on the basis of Tex-Mex. <laughs> oh on the basis of Tex-Mex, I would watch the fuck out of. <laughs> um, actually, I was writing in my own autobiography recently, and uh, 
but the, I think I'm going to name the chapter where I was working as a bank teller on the basis of checks. <laughs> Don't be confused, though. That could also be the biopic for uh, the worst serial ever called the, On the Basis of Checks. I'd watch a checks documentary. Yeah. That would actually be pretty good. Um, also... <laughs> There's a movie coming out next year about Bob Vila. Uh, <laughs> a lot of carp- a lot of carpentry on that one. So that's going to be called On the Basis of Decks. <laughs> I haven't thought about Bob Vila in five years. There, there is one coming out. Uh, it's, it's about really. It's, it's a very specific one about a really famous professional wrestler, uh, Hulk Hogan. Uh, more about his bodybuilding. It's called On the Basis of Pecs. <laughs> Uh, I think, you know, if, if a person were to, you know, d- do one of these autobiographies about a hangman, I think they'd probably call it on the basis of necks. <laughs> oh, Jesus Christ. <laughs> this is why people come to the SoCo show. That's awesome, bro. It's true. All right. I'm going to move on to the next one. It's movie. been a while since uh, we've done the whole pun off thing and God, it feels good. It's been, it's been a while since we did, we would do that for hours at the at the uh-huh. old time. Not on not in recording. No, not in recording. <laughs> this is the first time I think we've got one on record. So uh let us know what you thought of that in the in the tweets. <laughs> 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 All right, what's our next movie? Next movie is uh Julia Roberts movie. Um she's she's been on one lately in terms of like what she's been doing. Homecoming was great, and then uh this movie Ben is back, which finally got to see. It's been got released uh, Christmas Day. Um, actually is technically a Christmas movie because it takes place over Christmas Eve. But uh, um, Ben is back. It's her, Lucas Hedges. Uh, it's directed by Peter Hedges, uh, Lucas Hedges' father. Not really any other notable stars, um, except for, and I looked this up after, and I was like, oh, yeah. Um, you remember Blockers? Second week in a row, Blockers is getting brought up. The blonde daughter in Blockers? Uh-huh. She's uh, she's the daughter of Julia Roberts' brother, of Ben, uh, of Lucas Hedges in this movie. You know, um, she she's really good. is cute mm-hmm. i'm trying to decide if i need if i can use another word or if i have to use cute do you know how old she is Catherine, she's 21 february 8th 1997 okay all in that case she can get it <laughs> so yeah those are the those are really the main stars of the movie um i wouldn't know i wouldn't really put Catherine newton as a star yet but um the movie really focuses around julia roberts and lucas hedges but um for those who haven't seen the trailer Lucas Hedges plays Ben. He is back, <laughs> and that's it. Um, <laughs> no. <laughs> Get the fuck out of here. <laughs> so he is. Uh, no, I'm not going to be able to not say anything else. Um, he's he's a drug addict, and he comes back from rehab uh, earlier than he should. Uh, Julia Roberts is his mother she is clearly so she lives in a family with so her the Catherine newton is her actual like she's biologically like she has they have the same mom and dad uh they're both julia roberts and whoever we don't know who the other dad is and then she she has remarried to another guy and they have two younger kids um and that's their their step brother so that's the family dynamic and then the father the the stepdad lives there julia roberts is like clearly and she's she loves Ben with all of her heart. She like she is like like Ben to her is could do no wrong. Even though he's done all the wrong, he could do no wrong type of thing. You know, she'll always protect him. Um 
Catherine Newton, the the sister, always is like she she she's been through it all because she's you know grew up basically grew up with Ben, um, so she sees kind of um, when he's you know being not truthful and she doesn't give him the benefit of the doubt. Um, the two kids love Ben because uh, you know he's like the the fun big brother, and then the fu- the the stepdad is like. Um, again, he, he loves Ben, but he's very like at arm's length with him. Um, so when, when Ben is at the front door, Julia Roberts is like, yeah, you know, I'm so happy you're back crying and all this stuff. So, I mean, the, the really that what this, like I mentioned, takes place over Christmas Eve. They more and more kind of unfolds as, as the story goes on, you kind of start to see that maybe Ben isn't telling a hundred percent of the, the truth throughout the movie. You'll see in the trailer, they end up at a mall and some of the people from Ben's past show up and that causes causes some issues, some complications. Basically, if I re- said too much, it would reveal the whole movie here. So that's why I don't want to go into specifics with it. But um, the first half of the movie is like a family drama. That's where you kind of get the whole dynamic with the family and they're all together at the home and it's Christmas Eve and you start to learn more about Ben a little bit and some of his problems and the mistrust throughout the family and that stuff. Second half of the movie is kind of like a, it's basically just Julia Roberts and Lucas Hedges where they're kind of driving around in, in, uh, in search of something. And so it's kind of, it's, it's different. So as a whole, I liked the movie. Um, there were a few issues, one of which being that it did feel like two separate movies, um, in, in this, and it had two separate tones to it almost in a way. Um, speaking of tone, and specifically with the writing, really weird um, at times. They, like, because Julia Roberts is like she's very strong, strong-willed. Very, she'll be like she'll stand up to Ben, but then she'll also just crumble at him, which makes I mean that's somewhat real, but it's also just kind of inconsistent. There's also a point too, like because she's very protective of him as well. Like she's very protective with the entire family. Um, performances were great. Uh, Julia Roberts was outstanding. Again, uh, Lucas Hedges is always outstanding. The The supporting characters are great. Catherine Newton, as I mentioned, is great. They all do a really good job. I just kind of thought that the the writing and maybe a bit of the directing, which was done by, both were done by Peter Hedges, might have been just a, just a little bit, because I haven't really, don't know if I've really seen anything else by him. This I don't know if this is the first one or not, or anything like that, but it just seemed like, it wasn't all consistently there and he just was kind of um, more writing for maybe his son to do well in this. I don't know. It was, it was interesting, but good movie. I enjoyed it. Not a movie for everyone because it is a pretty heavy subject matter. Um, but uh, I, I would recommend checking it out. It's, it's definitely worth a watch. Probably what attracted you to this on some level. And if I were going to watch it, it would be on the strength of Julia Roberts and Lucas Hedges' performances. Would you say mm-hmm. those are enough to get you through the movie? Oh yeah, for sure. Yeah, those are really they're really really good. I mean, um, be, and they carry. I mean, they're they have the most screen time easily, and they're on the screen for pretty much the entire movie. There's other than when they're cutting away on like a phone call to talk to someone, um, it's one of those two on the screens screen at all mm-hmm. times. So. Well, there you go. I know that's gotten a lot of love. Um, if you've seen it out there, let us know what you thought. Um, so that is Ben is back. We'll see if it gets any love in the Oscar season. Um, but let's go forward to another one. Uh, I'm not sure which one you're going to do next, but I'm excited to hear about both. Uh, next one is uh, If Beale Street Could Talk. This is uh, one of my uh, two I saw on Sunday. I was missing the football games. 
Um, Beale Street Katog, this is one that a lot of people, I think, know about just by name because it's the follow-up to... Um, Moonlight. Moonlight. I don't know why. I almost said Moonraker, which is definitely not the same movie. <laughs> follow-up to Moonlight by uh, Barry Jenkins. Um, they're not sequels, but it's just his next movie. <laughs> um, it stars, actually, another Homecoming actor, and I didn't even realize it because he looks pretty pretty different, um, but the uh, he plays... He plays Walter, Walter Cruz, uh, who is the, the main subject in Homecoming, uh, actor Stephen James, who is nominated for Golden Globe for his role in Homecoming. Um, but he plays uh, Fani, uh, Alfonso. Uh, he's the guy in jail that you see in the trailer. Um, don't know who, who Kiki Lane is, but she plays the main uh, the main girl, Tish, uh, in the trailer. You also have Regina King, who, of course, is the one who's been nominated for all for the supporting stuff. And uh, she plays the mother of uh, Tish. You ha- uh, Coleman Domingo is the guy that I can never think of. He's from Fear of the Walking Dead. Um, he plays the father of Tish. Other than that, there's really not a ton of uh, like super well-known people other than I, I just saw Diego Luna apparently is in this. I don't really know him well. Brian Tyree Henry uh, is in this from Atlanta. Uh, he, he has a brief 10-minute moment. And then fucking Dave Franco comes out of nowhere in this movie. <laughs> He sticks out like the fucking whitest thumb you've ever seen because there's not a ton of he he appears at like an hour and change into the movie. So by this point, everyone's established in terms of characters. Um, and, and normally you've seen all the famous people within the first hour of a movie. And then when Dave Franco just appears, me and like I heard other people go like, is that Dave Franco? <laughs> And it was weird because it's it, you don't expect to see him, but so um, not really spoilers. I think it would actually help to know that Dave Franco's in this movie, so you don't get uh, alarmed. But he plays a nice little ten minute role. But yeah, so the main story of this movie, if you've seen the trailer, is Tish and Fani are madly in love, and uh, Fani goes to jail for something that he may or may not have done. Um, the main the this movie is is kind of. Um, uh, well, she gets pregnant. That's the other thing. Uh, she's that's a big part of it. She she gets pregnant uh, while Fani's in jail. Um, the movie is kind of like three parts to it, almost in a way. Um, it's so it's the prior to them to her to him going to jail and her being pregnant, which shows their the backstory of their their romance and um, how the, how they got together and how they built their relationship and what they were planning to do before he went to jail. Um, another part of this movie is. Um, the family dynamic with how they're reacting to the the pregnancy and um, how how they're reacting to her being single and and the family's kind of colliding a little bit and stuff like that. The third part of the movie is a lot of like the legal stuff with Fani being in jail and how they're going to get him out and um, figure figuring out what kind of happened and and what sent him to jail that type of thing. The, the out of the three parts I liked I, I really liked two of them and th- the third one kind of was bored me and the two I liked was the backstory and the love and the the family stuff the 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 legal stuff and, and it went into some more detailed legal stuff kind of slowed the pace in the movie because they don't like do this in like one two three parts they intermingle all of it so it's just very like scrambled and it makes sense in the way it tells the story like it's not ever like it's not to a point where it's like, oh, they're telling the backstory and then boom, here's the legal stuff. And it didn't make sense why they did that. Like it all connects, but it's just like when they go from the backstory to the legal stuff, it does kind of ruin what they had were starting to build for me a little bit. 
Um, I didn't. So when I went, so I saw this, and then the next movie I, I'll I'll talk about. Um, I had I had three hours, so I saw it at twelve thirty. My next one started at three thirty. I didn't look to see how long Beale Street was going into it, so I started to get worried at a point that that I might miss the other movie <laughs> with three hours. Even um, turns out this movie's only two hours long because when I got out of this, I pulled up my phone and it was two thirty, but. I lost track of time in a good way, but I also, it dragged on for parts of it, which kind of upset me um, because I really, 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 really enjoyed the two parts of the movie. Um, When they were going into their love story and going into the family stuff, the performances are outstanding. The back and forth was great. The writing was outstanding. Um, You really, really buy into the relationships, uh, especially her, uh, Tish and Fani. Um, You love seeing that. The the family dynamic is so great with her family being really supportive and Fani's family not being supportive and kind of the battles there. Um, it's really like a just a masterclass of acting through a lot of that. Um, but then when you get to the when you get to the the legal stuff and it just slows so so down. It's just it, I I just kind of started losing focus. Uh, I when when I was bought into the parts of the movie, I was in there. Like there's times where I was thinking like this is in a, this is going to be my top 10. I'm really loving this movie. Uh top 10 for 2018. Like I'm loving this movie. I'm really enjoying it and then they throw in the legal stuff and then I just kind of like wanted to check my phone to see what time it was because it just put it to a halt mm-hmm. at times. I I just wish that wouldn't have been in there cuz I would have loved this movie so much more. And and I, it needed it. It obviously needed it for the story. But it just, I just wish they would have done it in a different way, maybe. Um, instead of just, like, focusing on it, maybe have kind of had that as, a, as like, a like a small addition, like, kind of throwing it into the other parts of the story as opposed to, like, completely focusing on that, you know? I don't know. It, 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 just, it just didn't – it didn't mesh well with the story for me. But like I mentioned, performances were awesome all the way around. Um, Regina King has been getting all the praise for it and all the awards for it. 100% deserves it. She is outstanding in this movie. Um, her sister, um, I don't know the actress, uh, even if I said the name, I don't think anyone know what she's from unless they pull up the credits, but um, the sister of Tish in this movie, she is hilarious. Like, this movie has a, a lot of really funny moments. Like, there's laugh out loud funny moments even throughout the entire movie. Like, it has just such a good dynamic throughout the movie. Like, if it gets nominated for Best Picture, I won't be mad at it because it does almost, it's, I have it like 11 right now for the year. Um, so it does get high praise. I really liked it a lot. And I like parts of it, again, would be in my top 10, maybe even top five if they just focused on those parts. There's just parts that don't completely work. Um, I would, definitely, it's a movie that needs to be seen because it is, it is a very important movie. And again, the legal parts of it are important, but it's, they needed to do it in a different way. Barry Jenkins needed to do it in a different way to keep what he had established mm-hmm. you know because there's so much emotional commitment to the other parts of the movie so like there's tons of it um and then you lose that instantly with the the legal parts so um definitely see this movie if it's near you it's a must see uh, for a lot of reasons um just kind of prepare yourself for for some of that going in yeah so this is one i'm gonna see i think tomorrow night um and i'm really excited about my brother actually read the book and said that the book was incredible oh yeah. really so it is a um James Baldwin book, uh, legendary black writer. So uh, no surprise that the book is great. Uh, so I'm going to try to check out both, but definitely going to go see this movie. I've heard, I've heard some good things, but good to know that uh, it's going to be bogged down a little bit by some, by some legal stuff because yeah. And that is a bummer when you get, when you get the, the great emotional and you really feel like a movie's clipping along. And then uh, I think Marwin had this problem where it was skipping around a mm. little bit much and you sort of lost momentum at times. 
Um, so we'll see what I think, uh, but I am excited to go see this one this week. Barry Jenkins is one of those guys that really any movie he comes out with is going to be deemed must-see for a while. And so um, it's good to hear that this one doesn't doesn't totally tarnish that, um, If even if it's maybe not um, in the highest echelon. Um, but I am excited to go see it. Uh, if Beale Street Could Talk is getting wide release... Uh, of this past last couple weeks. So uh, it's going to be available in more theaters. Uh, if you haven't seen it in the past, keep an eye out for If Bill Street Could Talk. And then potentially, if there is Oscar Love, might be getting re-released later. So keep an eye out for that one. Seth, you saw one more movie this last weekend. Yeah, this one uh, definitely is a lot different from the other ones I saw. Um, so this this last one is Vox Lux. Pretty under-known. It's not not a widely known movie um, for the most part. Not Not getting a ton of... Oscar love for uh, some some understandable reasons. Um, I personally, though, uh, definitely loved this movie. Um, so Vox Lux, for those who don't know what it is, it's a story from what you see from the trailer about um, a girl named Celeste uh, who's played basically by two actresses, but the, the known one is, is Natalie Portman. Um, she uh, gets into the limelight very quickly, becomes a star very quickly, what you see in the trailer is mostly Natalie Portman and kind of her with the uh, dealing with this as now as an adult, but that's not what the movie's about. Um, if you see the trailer, what? So I'm not going to say what happens. And the, the if you've heard anything about this movie, you know that something pretty graphic happens in the first scene in the first ten minutes or so. Um, I won't say what exactly it is. Um, I'm glad personally. I knew something happened, and I knew I knew what that it was, I didn't know like exactly what happened. I never seen the scene. No, I wasn't spoiled for me. Like exactly what happens. Um, but I knew what the event was. Um, I'm glad I knew, um, going in because I was able to prepare myself and it probably helped me enjoy this movie a lot more. Uh, I know there's other people in the theater that didn't because, uh, I heard some reactions, (laughs) um, and it was interesting. Um, I will say that first 10 minutes of the movie uh, will be something I will never, ever forget out of a movie uh, or being in a movie theater seeing this, especially seeing it in an art house theater with uh, like 40 people total packed. It was it was sold out, but it was like 40 to 50 people on a smaller screen. But it was it, it's an extremely impactful scene. It's uh, very graphic, hard, extremely hard to watch. And if you see it, you I guarantee you'll never forget that scene that will be something that most people, like, not most, um, some people will not be able to get past seeing that scene. Some people, I didn't, I was sitting up front, so I didn't see, but I doubt anyone walked out of it. Some, most people I'd say might, might know what to expect. Or if you're going to an art house movie, you probably are, have a stronger stomach for some of this stuff. But if this is a wide release movie, um, people would walk out for sure. I guarantee people would walk out after the first scene. Um, and people, uh, would hate the movie instantly because of that first scene. There's people I've told don't go see this movie because of this first scene. Um, that's what I'll, the end I'll say about it. But for what they do, for what, the reason they do it, um, it they, they don't do it to be exploitative or to shock you, like purposely shock you. It has an, an, a, a, a huge impact and a consistent role throughout the movie. So it matters to the plot. Um, it matters to what happens with the character and what, ha- what happens throughout the entire movie. So from there, when you so this movie is uh, definitely very uh, artsy <laughs> in in a lot of ways. So like it'll have like uh, act cards, so like Act One, and it'll say like uh, it'll say like whatever the the, for the 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 title of the act is, and it's narrate the entire movie is narrated by Willem Dafoe, which is interesting. Mm. Um, so that's that's pretty cool. It'll it, basically what he describes is kind of 
some of the character feelings that you don't exactly get through the dialogue or anything like that. Uh, it also he'll also describe passages of time too throughout the movie, so that's kind of cool. So take so the this first part of the movie takes place in the late '90s, early 2000s, which again might be another reason why I enjoyed it a lot more because I was able to relate to that very well because I was around the same age she was, a little bit younger, um, when everything went down with this first scene. And uh, there's a lot of stuff that related to back then. Um, even a lot of like the way the camera was, it was shot with like a smaller frame to it and kind of grainier. So it looked like it was from the late 90s, early 2000s, which is cool. Um, a lot of music from back then and stuff like that. But uh, the first part of the movie is uh, the main character, Celeste. She is discovered um, and it's played by a younger girl. Probably it. And she's supposed to be in like, her, I think she's supposed to be 14, 15, around that. Um, and that's actually probably like the first 45 minutes to an hour it's not a super long movie it's about an hour 45 minutes so about 45 minutes to an hour of the movie is her being discovered and then showing her and her relationship with her sister who are very close at this time um starting she's starting to learn um about the business of music she's a pop singer at, at this time and she um also is dealing with the after effects of what happened to her in the first part of the movie Couple, there's a couple of those acts there dealing with that stuff and, and progressing through the business. And then it cuts to 2017. That's when Natalie Port, Portwoman gets in the movie. She that That's when it's 2017. She's now 31, I think, at this point. And she's been a star for a long time. She's kind of making a comeback now. She took a couple years off. And so it shows that her kind of her comeback show back. This all takes place in New York, by the way. So this is her comeback show in, in Staten Island. And it that part of the movie is about... Her her comeback and also then her relationship with her daughter, which um, which is cool because the daughter is played by the person who played young Celeste in the first oh, part of the movie. So that was really neat that they did that. Um, and then also her relationship with her sister now, uh, 20 years later or whatever it is. So it's it's a very different movie. Um, I think the way the, the reason I enjoyed it so much is it took a lot of chances. This is the, out of all the movies I saw this weekend, very different, um, completely different from all the other stuff I saw. Took so many chances. Um, some people, it's not going to nail the chances, I mean, especially that first scene. Um, if you, you can't get past this, you're going to hate the movie. Um, not that I enjoyed watching that scene, but it was shocking. And um, for what it meant to the story, it paid off for me. So um, there are other chances throughout the movie that it takes, and it just, it was a lot of guts. This movie took a lot of guts to make, and for me, it paid off, and I respected that. Um, performances are also very good. The the young girl is great. Natalie Portwoman is great. Um, the sister is great. All of it is very good. The music is outstanding. Um, recommend checking out the, the, uh, the, uh, there's a, the album online, uh, for, for this. Um, Natalie Portman, I think, sings a bunch of it, and, uh, there's this one song at the beginning that, that takes place after the event that that's how she gets discovered. And it's like, it's very, um, I, I haven't heard this one online. I've seen this one online yet, but that song has been stuck in my head a little bit since I've seen it, which is interesting. It's very, uh, ballady type. Um, she sings it at like a vigil thing, but it's great. That's how she get discovered. It's awesome. Um, there's just, there's just so much to this movie. I, I walked out just like this was one from beginning to end completely a hundred percent sucked in this movie went like just like that it just was over one like because I was in it so so much um it I it was like I blinked and the movie is over because I was so into it 
it's I don't know. I, it's it's hard to describe because it's it's one if I say too much it'll spoil mm. it. Um, and it's also also one that it's hard to describe because it is so different and they took so many chances with it. Um, and I, I don't know, great great all around. The music gets you hooked. It's it's great all around for me. I loved it. It's one that actually um, I would put in my top ten for wow. the year. Um, it uh, for 2018. So because it is technically a 2018 release, I I have it. I put it at six. So it would have bumped out um, the uh, a quiet place, um, and it would have pushed back. It would be just behind Creed two, and it would have pushed back First Reformed. Wow. And I know First Reformed was number one for you for a little bit. Um, mm-hmm. I am excited to hear that you enjoyed this. Uh, when it first, I saw a trailer for this months ago and was like, this is a movie I want to see. Natalie Portman doing some real shit. I wasn't aware at the time yet of, of that's poorly timed and accidental. Um, <laughs> Amazing. You got to keep that in. I wasn't aware at the time of, I'm, I'm aware of what you're talking about at the open. I, I know I know what you're yeah. referring to. And I wasn't aware of that at the time, yeah. but was really excited to see what Natalie Portman would do in this role. And um, I'm excited to hear that, that you think it was done well. Um, I'm not surprised that uh, people are reacting negatively to the opening portion of this movie. Um, and for folks that are listening and don't know what we're talking about, if you give this a quick Google, you'll quickly understand what we're talking about. And... Mm-hmm. Um, Interesting to see that, you know, that it was able to still be a good movie and, and you weren't distracted by the open for the entire time. Um, and and mm-hmm. if it's if stuff like that is done in good taste, then I, you know, we'll <laughs> see. We'll see if if, you know, we live in a world where it's OK to have that in a movie. Um, but I am glad to hear I that don't... Natalie Portman is great <laughs> in it and that the movie as a whole is good, because this is one I've had on my radar for a while now. Um, it hasn't been shown around me, but I am excited to see it when it does come around. As a whole, I mean, they took so many chances. I respect it so much. It was done super well. Music was great. Visuals were great. Acting was great. Um, yeah, I, I can't. I can't say enough about this movie. But I can't recommend it. I can't recommend it mm-hmm. to everyone. I really can't. I've told people not to see it because it's it's going to be too hard to see. Like, if you could take out the first ten minutes, I still think it'd be a fine movie. And if you could just maybe describe what happened, and I think people, I think it would be be more generally well received. Um, for me, though, that that opening scene had so much impact to it, um, and again hooked me from the beginning because I just was shocked by it. But in a way, like I knew it was coming, so it it still was just like I can't believe I'm seeing this. But then it followed up with that. Um, I don't know. It's it's nuts. Um, it it's it's very good. I I almost speechless by it. <laughs> it's it's insane. Uh, I I've, I've thought about it multiple times since I've seen it. Um, Extremely well done. I liked it a lot. I must see this. I already wanted to see it, but now I've, I'm so curious. All right, so that is going to do it for reviews this week. So we had If Beale Street Could Talk, Vox Lux, On the Basis of Sex, and Ben is Back. I think I know the answer to this, Seth, but if folks are going to go to one of those four movies this weekend, um, what are you suggesting? I mean, I can't, again, can't suggest Vox Lux <laughs> to everyone. So if for everyone in general, I'd say Beale Street. Um that one's not it's that one is not even like as uh it's very it's emotional and it's like it's not it's emotional and it has hard-hitting points but it's not like a heavy movie like you you won't feel terrible leaving it you know um so that one i could recommend for everyone other than that has some boobs in it and some f-words but um that one's that one can be seen by everyone well there you have it uh see beale street can talk see if beale street could talk 
uh, if you're going to one of these four. So big weekend of movies for Seth this week. Uh, still trying to make sure that we cover all of our bases for the Oscars. So again, never question Seth's dedication to this show. Uh, a lot of great stuff this week. Uh, that's going to take us near the end of the show. But before we go, we got to give you one more thing. But I'm down to one more, one more thing. I think for my one more thing, uh, I will just highlight briefly the returning of some shows that I watch. And it's it's funny because I, as Seth knows, I don't watch shows as they happen. I just don't. I never really have. And uh, But there are a couple of the shows that I've really dug lately that I've caught up to and I'm now on the week-to-week basis. So uh, Brooklyn Nine-Nine uh, I caught up to. I know Nine-Nine. that is now back. Uh uh, the Good Place, I have now caught up to. Mm-hmm. I just watched the Janet episode, which was awesome. Ah, yeah. And, uh, it's a she, great one. Darcy Carden is a fucking treasure, man. Um, mm-hmm. And then uh, one of my favorite shows, I've talked about it on this podcast before uh, You're the Worst, which is an FXX show you are. about uh, some, some, basically some assholes who are in a relationship together and um, sort of their goings on. So that one is back for its final season on FXX. So. Uh, a lot of good stuff starting back up here in the spring. I know Seth has a long list of shows. Um, I use YouTube TV to watch my TV, and, and they keep on-demand episodes of everything for a while, so I was able to catch up that way. Uh, you might be able to see some stuff on Hulu or, or whatever other um, TV apps you use, but I would give a high recommend also to YouTube TV for that reason. But uh, those are just a couple of the shows that I'm caught back up to, and I'm actually going to try to keep up with on a weekly basis. So. Um, Oh, yeah, wow. We'll see. We'll see if I follow through on that. But uh, for now, I have been. So, yeah, it's good stuff. So this one is just a, a bit political, um, but it made me laugh a lot today. So um, I don't uh, I'm sure a lot of people <laughs> saw online. <laughs> <laughs> um, a lot of people saw online that uh, even though the the, the uh, government is shut down, Trump invited the Clemson Tigers who won the national championship uh, a couple weeks uh, last week, invited them to the White House for the typical you know, White House um, tour and dinner and all that stuff. And Trump, um, because the government shut down, uh, got them uh, fast food. So like uh, Wendy's and Taco Bell and um, all that stuff. And of course, Trump being what he is, he has to uh, get his shots into and saying that the government shut down. So I had to get them fast food. So I got them fries and tacos. And um, what I initially passed over uh, thinking was a very delicious uh, beef sandwich. He, instead of putting their actual name, he put ham derbers <laughs> instead of hamburgers. <laughs> and it was funny because, like, I initially clicked on the tweet and was like, or uh, someone had, like, uh, quote tweeted it at a reply and said, like, oh, look at Trump making this uh, political statement. And I was like, yeah, that makes sense. And then I read the tweet more more specifically and I was like, wait a second, <laughs> that's his ham derbers. <laughs> and, and then so I, what I normally, I normally don't go to his Twitter, but I did today and clicked on that tweet and I scrolled a little bit down and I see more political stuff, more political stuff. And then the first thing I see in regards to ham derbers, <laughs> someone took the Burger King logo <laughs> and put Burger King <laughs> instead of Burger King. And then... Some, then that same person hashtagged ham derbers, and then I s- proceeded to spend like 10 minutes reading everyone's tweet with hashtag ham derbers, and I was, I had to like hold my mouth because I was at work and I was going to laugh out loud hysterically. 
But so I'd recommend uh, checking out going to Twitter and just typing in hashtag Hamderbers and seeing all of the creative, weird, stupid, funny shit people did uh, and for Hamderbers because it's it's incredible. And just like like Kofifi was a funny thing, but Hamderbers is a hundred times more funny <laughs> because it is like Trump is just like Hamderbers. <laughs> like. Also, how does that get by autocorrect? That's not a word. <laughs> yeah, because that also um, someone someone did a, a picture um, if you look at your keyboard, fucking um, the G and D are way far away from each other. So, or not uh, the B and the U and the all of them. It's the it's, it's not a Sorry. it's not a fat yeah. thumb situation. It's, it's yeah, it's terrible. I'm not sure how he doesn't have people auto check shit, but so I um I yeah. love this. I love Hamderbers, and I'm gonna be thinking about that all the time now. Um, I gave this a quick Google and clicked on a Reddit which is a MAGA Reddit. And <clears throat> there are people on here who are like, obviously this was bait for all the libtards to talk about. Um, oh, and yeah. like he did it on purpose and stuff. But I, was, I like to think he just has always called them Hamderbers and didn't think that anyone else, <laughs> you know, like your family has its own little colloquialisms. And uh, yeah, like, uh, <laughs> like Poon, <laughs> like Al Roker. Has yeah, exa- like Al Roker's Poon or your family's chicken goop. Like, I f- maybe he just always <laughs> yeah. has thought that they're hamderbers, and I fucking love that. I would eat a hamderber. Yeah. I usually don't agree with the Don, but I would eat a hamderber. <laughs> oh, yeah, that was great. That was a good laugh I got today. So. <laughs> and I'm also 0% surprised that you think that's hilarious. <laughs> oh, it's so fucking funny. <laughs> he also capitalized fast food. That didn't make any sense. Oh, we could do a whole show um, on fucking tweets. I don't understand. I try to avoid them as much as possible, but... What goes through his mind is very interesting, but apparently Hamderbers is uh, was was something that's going through his mind today. And to this, Mister President, I thank you. <laughs> well, try as you might, you can't avoid the Hamderber this weekend. One more thing. But I'm down to one more, one more thing. That's gonna bring us to the end. People people dressed him up, put put like photoshopped him as the Hamburglar and put him as the Hamderbler. <laughs> You gotta send me that. I'll put it in the description box. The ham derbler is in the description box. Check out that one. <laughs> we gotta send that one out. Oh my god. Oh. That is gonna bring us to the end of episode 77. Don't forget to subscribe wherever it is you may be listening so you can get new episodes of the show every Friday. Uh, don't forget to hit the YouTubes at Jared Buckendall where you can find uh, trailer reactions, reviews. Uh, JB Classics dropped a unbreakable uh, review from the early 2000s. Unbreakable. So uh, a lot of great stuff uh, from Jared over on the YouTube. So make sure you're checking that out. Uh, hit the YouTubes, hit the sponsors, hit the tweets. Uh, all have links in the description box to so check all that stuff out. All right, but that, again, is going to end episode 77. Make sure you come back next week for 78. For the so-host, Seth Ott, this has been the co-host, Cody Michael, and we will see you next week. Bye.